1: Touchdown, Washington, Roman Duce, playing
2: a Belindicoff kind of game. Another explosive this time for 33, and the Huskies take the lead.
3: 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget.
2: Out of blitz. One-on-one on one for Neighbors. He's got it! Touchdown! Oh, my goodness. By Malik Neighbors!
1: 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since
4: 1952. Third and ninth. Four man rush against Plummer.
2: To the end zone. This time, and it's intercepted by Bethune! Great play earlier and comes up with the pick
1: in the end zone. The Florida State defense does it again. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank
5: for life. Well, it's a heavy pressure. The ball's out. Scooped up by Army. Fortner taking it to the end zone.
1: 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com.
6: Nevis kick on the way. It's good! There's a black down. Missouri at the moment has walked it off.
1: Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke.
5: And good afternoon. This is Three Sixty Five Sports. We will take you up until six o'clock today, as we do most every afternoon. Paul with the triple option one to two. We're on every afternoon three until six. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke. I'm David Smoke, and Jet McKenzie running the mothership. And uh, we have a lot to get to, including later on a look at three of the SEC schedules with Texas a and texas and oklahoma also some transfer portal news we'll update the high school football state championship with some connections to college football up in arlington and of course more and i want to get more into craig's topic in this first hour about how do you or do you change your expectations of what wins and losses a record with the chance now the 12 teams will get not a chance but 12 teams getting in to the championship playoff starting next year Uh, Also, we uh, again have guests today from Max Olson, Taylor McCarg, to check out all the quarterbacks either still available or the ones that have moved around in college football. Chris Lovell on Texas Tech and the fact that they've had a pretty good run and not much more other than Mickey Spagnola on the Cowboys. Craig's off the radar, Paul Catalina at his top five. Earl Campbell, Tyler Rose Award. They've announced their finalists, and those finalists will include Texas running back, in alphabetical order, Jonathan Brooks. Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma State. Jalen Milrow, Alabama. Caden Salter from Liberty. And Gente, Conference Player of the Year from Boise State. Craig?
7: Uh, Yeah, Ashton Gente, uh, a really good player from Boise. Uh, Jalen Milrow obviously had a great run after the Texas game uh Jonathan Brooks a really good year got cut short by injury so interesting to see him included there um but also uh you had Ollie Gordon with uh, Big 12 you know offensive player of the year type of uh, run and uh now I'm I'm forgetting without the graphic up there Chinty Gordon Milrow, um Jonathan Brooks, Brooks and there's a fifth one though um Caden Salter. Yeah, Caden Salter from Liberty. Um, You know, he had a really good year. They played a pretty light schedule. Uh, That's very Ian McCall, by the way. That's something (laughs) that, you know, people have pointed out here and there. But Ian McCall really pulling the old Baylor scheduling card out there at Liberty of, let's make this as... And they moved into a conference. So, you know, they they did have that transition. But um, they they beat up on a schedule. And uh, Caden Salter was uh, the guy throwing all the haymakers. He had a really big year numbers-wise. So... Yeah, it's a it's a good group. The award uh which is uh, Earl's namesake and he's very much involved with as is his family. Uh they uh you know want to honor the best player in college football Division 1 from the state of Texas or uh, that's Texas ties. And uh in this case all five of these guys are uh from Texas, Genty moved to Texas in high school, but he played high school, graduated high school ball. Uh so he's he's a Counted into that list, so yeah, these are these are the five. Now there's a lot of debate uh, that was had, you know, over others. Uh, Quinn Ewers had a, you know the big performance the Big Twelve Championship game, but was his season you know Player of the Year worthy? Ultimately decided no, you know can't factor into the playoffs here. Um, there were a lot of other really good candidates. Ishmael Mahdi at Texas State had a really nice year. Uh, if special teams counted, which it doesn't, it's an offensive Player of the Year award. Then maybe Ishmael Mahdi gets the the nod. Uh, Taj Brooks had a really good year for. Texas Tech uh, and big news that he's going to be coming back and I could go on and on Uh, Jalen Polk at Washington although he faded down the stretch and didn't really have many catches at all in the last month so this is what he got whittled down to I think five really really good players I think it's going to be really hard to decide amongst these five because they've either risen or fallen or gotten hurt in Brooks's case but uh, I think all five guys, uh, if you just look at the storylines of college football this year, uh, Brooks, obviously a huge part of Texas' run to get them to where they are. Ollie Gordon had a huge year for Oklahoma State. Milro, one of the best, like most improved stories. Salter, uh, G5 uh, represented there. And then Genty, I think a guy from the G5 who really got overlooked. And I, and I fought really hard for, for him because he had a massive year. Uh, the top player, offensive just offensive yards uh, all purpose uh he was the top guy in the entire country when it came to 500 plus yards receiving over a thousand rushing uh 19 touchdowns so yeah I, I like the group and i think they are uh you know really representing the state of texas well
5: all right we'll have the votes of eventually and they'll have the the banquet at the first of the year but those are the five finalists for the campbell award paul of those names on that five that group of five who would you think you might, you don't have to, and but who you'd vote for?
4: It would come down to Ollie Gordon and Jalen Milrow for me. Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, like Ashton Genty though, uh, man, like you really, you do want to start awarding guys for being the best at something in the entire country. Yeah. And that, um, you know, the spirit of the award is that. So that would be tough. But to me, and, and maybe like, I'm like, I might have some Milrow glasses on right now because I've been kind of. I, I'm just very impressed by his, his story and the way that, um, you know, this is a dude who was benched in the second game of the year. Yep. And not, like, not injured, benched. They Or the third game, I guess that would have been against USF. They benched Jalen Milrow. And that is, was sending him out, like, sent a message, uh, played most of the game with a guy who's now quit football and is going to play lacrosse. Uh, at quarterback, and came out of that, and then all of a sudden he's been one of the most dynamic players in the country. So, yeah, and Ollie Gordon changed Oklahoma State's season – uh, Jonathan Brooks may, may have run, ran away with this thing had he not gotten injured. I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think agreed. he would have. Yeah. I think yeah. he would have. I mean, yeah. he might,
7: like, you know. I mean, his uh, numbers are comparable, and he missed, like, the last month. And I think that's why he ultimately got a nod was because, like, he was so impressive when he was playing and, yeah, a huge part of why Texas yeah. ended up where they and, are. And
4: especially if you can, like, just project him out if he has what his average games were for those games that he missed. Like, it, you know.
5: Uh, wet Blanket saying, and he's been fighting this battle. And, Wet Blanket, we appreciate you. He's an Oklahoma State fan. But Brooks' numbers compared to Gordon's numbers, before Gordon was hurt, uh, Brooks had uh, 1,035 yards and eight touchdowns. And Brooks taught – I mean, excuse me, Ollie Gordon had 1,225 yards – and 12 touchdowns so even when Brooks was hurt but I still think that it depends on what Brooks would have done in some of the games down the stretch but those two it would have been hard to separate the two of them it's still even hard but Gordon ended up with the bigger
7: year yeah I mean I think that Brooks is going to be hurt by the fact that he was hurt I mean I think that that's ultimately going to probably catch up to him when you're looking at the other guys um, you know finishing out their seasons but I think that's also uh respecting the year that he did have before he got hurt. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Ollie Gordon was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. We'll see if he's the uh, Earl Campbell, Tyler Rose Award uh, Player of the Year. But I do know that Gente's already announced that he's coming back to Boise State next season. Uh, Jalen Milrow today announcing that he's coming back to Alabama next season. You know, we'll see on Jonathan Brooks and what he ultimately decides to do. Um, But, uh, yeah, uh, Ollie Gordon, I guess we'll – what, uh, is he a junior? I'm trying to remember now. Um, or a sophomore, I think. He's a sophomore. I think he's a sophomore yeah. eligibility. I, of just, course, Off the knows, top of my head, be, I hadn't been yeah. thinking about that. And then, um, and then, yeah, that would leave, I guess... Uh, wait, who am I missing? Brooks, Milro, Gordon, and Genty. I got Brooks. Caden tw- Salter. Caden Salter, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a name that'll be interesting to, to watch. Like, I would imagine he's probably getting some transfer offers. Um, but who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good group.
4: Uh, Liberty, uh, for... G five team like they've got they've got some money that yeah. uh, around there they can keep people in the fold if they really want them to but yeah Caden Salter uh, had a fantastic year so I uh, wouldn't be surprised he's a quarterback so his value is even more amplified
5: the uh, high school state championships in Texas began yesterday with three games every day all the way through the six A schools on Saturday I bring those up because last night Timpson. Won the 2A Division I State Championship. And Terry Bussey, I have a high school website. He was my MVP, overall the dude. And as a junior was Mr. Texas football. He had 311 yards passing, four touchdowns, 155 yards rushing, two touchdowns to lead Timpson to their first ever state title. If you'd never seen him play and you got a chance to watch Timpson, he was fantastic in a win against Toler. Today, Texas Tech commit Adam Hill. Had a touchdown catch, 133 yards rushing, and two scores as Albany beat Mark for the second consecutive year to win the 2A Division II title. So a couple of college notes on those players in what they did so far the last day and a half up at AT&T Stadium in Arlington.
7: Yeah, a ms getting a good one, and Terry Bussey, I mean, a superb uh, player, and he was a man among boys last night in that game, and he will be facing a very uh, large step up in competition from – you know, small ball in Texas high school football, even though it's, you know, there's nothing, uh, unserious about it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's Texas high school football, so it's pretty serious stuff, but, you know, going to the sec, I'm, I'm curious how, you know, much he translates early on, but. There's no denying that he's going to be a big-time explosive playmaker for them uh, sooner rather than later, and it was just almost unfair watching him and just his team as a whole, all the, the weapons they had, but, but watching him in particular running around and, and making throws and just doing uh, a lot of uh, fun stuff in, in that win last night. They they didn't have to break much of a sweat, uh, Timpson, to get that state championship, and he was a large part of why, so... Uh, and. Spectacular year capped off uh, in the best way possible. He had an A&M sticker on his helmet too, so mm-hmm. uh, he was repping the Aggies. And then uh, to see Mart lose today, I mean, a second time in a row. You know, Kevin Hoffman a few years ago retires and then comes back out yeah, just like he's back like a couple years later or whatever it was, a year later. And um, you know, they're back to to being Mart. But uh, yeah, kind of strange to see them losing a couple state titles in a row. So yep. that speaks volumes about Albany and the type of program that they have. Because there's a time where Mart was. Pretty much indestructible and yep. unbeatable. And uh, that's now been two years in a row they've fallen in that final game. So uh, shout out to Kevin Hoffman and the Panthers. No, that's not how you wanted to finish it. But um, yeah, that also speaks volumes about Albany. All
5: right. One other note about Terry Bussey his uncle, Domingo Bryant, former AM safety, played in the NFL with the Oilers. The first game I ever covered in 1981 as a high school broadcast a, as a TV broadcaster, was Garrison and Timpson. And here was Terry Bussey last night. Uh, who is the nephew of Domingo Bryant, who was a phenomenal player with the Aggies and eventually again an NFL player. So that kind of brought it full circle for me.
7: Yeah, he's a five star. So it's not like people weren't really aware of him. But if you got to watch him for the first time last night, especially if you're an A&M fan, you are that much more pumped up about the type of player that you're getting. So yeah, he'll be a lot of fun to watch uh, for the Aggies. And uh, I'm sure You know, there's a lot of teams – or I know there's a lot of teams out there that wanted him, Uh, Texas as well. You know, they were part of the mix and and many, many others. So a a very nice get there for Mike Elko and company. A
5: question on the the chat room from Kyle. I was watching the six-man game, 84-36 in the third quarter. It was over. Is there a mercy rule? Yes, Paul? How many points is it? 45 glorious points. 45 uh, points. That needs to – well – uh, they
4: need to move the mercy rule into the upper levels, maybe not 45 points, but uh, at least start a running clock because games can get super long yeah. uh, in high school football, especially given the fact that you have a, a halftime uh, that starts the day before the friggin' game uh, and then lasts until the, you know, the day after, uh, but um, but, yeah, no, they have a 45-point rule in six-man football. All
5: right, from Quirky, uh I wanted Terry Bussey in Austin, but perhaps that city's too big uh, and uh, good for AM. Quan Cosby went to a school smaller than Timston, and he turned out to be pretty damn good. Of course, he played a little bit in minor league baseball before he ended up being a star for Texas football.
7: Yeah, well, you talk about those smaller East Texas towns like that's just that's more Aggie territory. It is. I mean, they're always has been. Yeah, they're going to have guys go to Texas on occasion. I think you get up more into Northeast Texas, like Gilmer and Texas High, and you know places like that. I think that can lean a little bit more Texas. Um, but the further southeast you get, like from the just the the eastern side of of Texas from, like, Texarkana down to, to Houston, the Golden Triangle area. That's a lot of A&M territory down there. And so, yeah, um, I think it just kind of depends on, you know, the, the individual and their background and just their preferences because uh, A&M does uh, get their fair share of guys who probably don't want the big bright lights of Austin, you know, all the time that they're from Timpson or they're from, you know, a smaller town, and that's, that's not really their style. But for some guys it is. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just a case-by-case basis. But not surprised to see, a, you know, a kid from East Texas this, especially a small-town lean Aggies. That's that's kind of how it's been for a long time.
5: The southern part outside of Tyler and into Lufkin was usually an A&M deal. That, that was uh, from uh, back in the day when, I, in fact, Reggie McNeil, of course, was one back after his senior year when they won the state championship. All right, so that's that. The Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year Award. The three finalists include a Big 12 player. How about Tony Bradford from Texas Tech? Tony Bradford Jr., Blake Corham, the running back from Michigan, and also Mike Hollins from Virginia. This is for the Collegiate Man of the Year, very similar to the uh, Art Rooney, I think, Man of the Year Award that they give in the NFL with Jason Witten, the former Tennessee Vol and Cowboys Hall of Famer.
4: Yeah, um, uh, good names on the list. Uh, Blake Quorum, obviously the most uh, recognizable of it, but but yeah, we'll um, be interested to see. I, I was hoping we get to vote on this one, but uh, I haven't I had that. I, I, have, not, not, I, I have not. I did not get. Uh, I did not get that
5: yet. I didn't either. I did so. not get that either. You want some transfer portal news? Yeah, I've got. I've got some too to fill in once you're done. All right, you go with yours, and then we'll get to the ones that uh, I sent, Jack. All right, some uh,
4: some interesting ones. Uh, Curtis Rourke, quarterback from Ohio, uh, he's on his way to Indiana. Um, and they lost, uh, Soresby. He went to Cincinnati. So Curtis Rourke, uh, from Ohio had a really good year, uh, for the Bobcats on his way to play for Kurt Signetti. Um, uh, and the Hoosiers, uh, Aiden Childs. I don't know if we had that one, uh, but Aiden Childs on his way to Michigan State. Yeah, that was the one I had. That's good. And and a not shocking uh, move at all to follow Jonathan Smith there. He will probably be the starter, and there was another one I wanted to get Craig's thoughts on. Key Lawrence uh, is leaving Oklahoma, and he is going to uh, Ole Miss. Uh, So uh, another OU portal departure there, and As of today, uh, and Texas Tech signed offensive lineman uh, Davion Carter, who came from Memphis.
7: Yeah, so a lot to to get to. I mean, uh, for Texas Tech, that's a really nice offensive line pickup. I mean, Lord knows they need some, you know, improvement and help on the offensive line uh to really get to where they want to be. And I mean, they obviously had a good enough year where Taj Brooks had a, a massive season. You got him coming back. I know that he responded to uh the news of that commitment of, you know, basically saying, like, let's let's go. So uh yeah, I think he was fired up about uh that addition and um, that seems to be a good one, a good area of focus for for Texas Tech. You knew they were going to add on the offensive line, so uh, that's one step towards that. Um, you know, Key Lawrence uh, going to Ole Miss. Uh, it's going to be funny, like how often now at the transfer portal that you uh, are going to run into guys, into familiar faces, you know, of just like, oh, hey, you used to be on our team, and you're going to come across. So Oklahoma have been very interesting with the transfer portal here uh, early on, and, you know, he played a lot, uh, had a lot of, uh, you know, moments, and, uh, you know, played in a lot of games for the Sooners. So that's a good get for uh, Lane Kiffin. I don't think it's as much of a panic attack as it was, you know, a couple days ago when you're losing offensive linemen left and right. Um, It seemed to be more of a kind of a respectful, like, hey, best of luck to uh, Key Lawrence. So, uh, uh, yeah, Uh, he had also played at Tennessee. So, I mean, he's a guy that's bounced around a lot and uh, kind of just a showing of uh, or a sign of, I guess, the uh, of the times that we live in now that he's going to play three different teams in the SEC alone. So that's uh, – yeah, I guess, no, it's it's technically two because Oklahoma wasn't in the SEC when he played for them. But you, you get the point of yeah. he'll play for three of the teams in the same conference. Um, and then Aiden Childs, uh, that seemed to be kind of the the writing on the wall, the moment that Jonathan Smith uh, moved. Although, I guess, you know, speculation early on, what DJU maybe could follow him. Then it seemed like there's a lot of traction about Aiden Childs and that making a lot of sense for Michigan State. So they've got a quarterback. Uh, keep building out there and uh, – uh, Spartan land and I'm excited to see what Jonathan Smith does I mean that's been kind of a forgettable program these last couple of years unless you're thinking about like negative nasty uh you know bad headlines uh and just drama that's been kind of the Michigan State MO for a little while now so uh, good to see them kind of just getting back to football and seeing what Jonathan Smith can do with a you know a bump in uh, pay and facilities and, and things at his disposal there in that conference as opposed to what he was staring at with, uh, with the Beavers moving forward. And um, I think that about covered all of the ones that yeah. you mentioned, I think. I well, don't know. I'm going blind here. There so. is
5: one player that's visiting Baylor this afternoon, that Daquan Finn that we discussed yesterday with the writer from Toledo Blade. He's going to visit campus this afternoon. as possibility of joining Baylor in their quarterback room. Not sure if that will be his only visit or two or three others. I'm not sure of when he'll make the decision, but Daquan Finn in Waco to visit Baylor and Dave Aranda. The SEC schedule released. Texas A&M. We'll we'll start with them because the Aggies have been a part of this conference. The uh, schedule that they have, you can see it on the right-hand side. Notre Dame, but the conference games and where they are and the dates involved, their first conference game in the SEC will be at Florida the third week of the year. Eventually, they will play Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, LSU, at South Carolina. They'll have that non-conference game. The SEC touch into the back part of November. And then Auburn on the road and Texas. The game, we knew the game, we knew the day, but now there's the schedule with Texas and A&M November 30th.
7: I like how they've just, you know, very calculated, uh, brainwashed people into believing that they can play one less conference game and also have a cupcake game at the end of the year. But, hey, we play all these hard teams, so we deserve it. And if others did this, we would scream bloody murder. Mm -hmm. They just all convinced us of that. Um, I think that that's... Just kind of BS. Now, granted, you look at the schedule and you see a run of where you're playing, you know, Missouri and LSU and Texas or whatever some of the combinations may be. That's not to say there's not some three week stretches where it's super difficult, but. You know, it's, I don't know. It's just strange. Like you puff out your chest and say you're the best, but then it's like you say, okay, well, then you should play one more cup. Well, we can't do that. That would be too tough, but I thought you were the best. Like I thought, you know, like that. So that doesn't jive with me when it's brag, brag, brag. And then, but you're not, but it's too hard to play another conference game. I would think that you would embrace that and really just take it over the top. But I mean, I, I get sort of kind of the argument, but I do think there's this weird double whammy of one less conference game, and that just so happens that that's not all the first month. We pluck and, and take one, and we put it there at the end to give a break, and we just accept that, and, and we don't accept that. There's a lot of people that complain about that, and I'm sure have complained about that today, but that's just a kind of a funny quirk on these yeah, but, SEC schedules that's very noticeable. But
4: when it comes down to, you know, the recency bias in picking postseason teams... You know, a lot of the teams of the postseason didn't have that cupcake the second to last week that they could do right. things. You know, they didn't have as also
7: award season. Like yes. they didn't have
4: somebody. You know, you'd have Jay Daniels running for yeah. five hundred yards and yeah. throwing for five hundred um, yards in a game I,
7: against the cupcake. I, I, I will yeah. say this
4: because Jack and I just did talk about it on the earlier show. Um, what the SEC can do this year, though, when that is brought up, they can bring up the schedule for. Poor Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. Yeah, we're going to get to that one in a moment. Which, Let's go to yeah, – so, yeah, we'll so get to it. I Let's just wanted to the- say,
7: I just think that that's, that's just funny and it's just it's noticeable as the years go by more and more. And now that you've got these extra teams in there, it's like, well, you got more teams, so wouldn't it make sense to now play that conference game so that everybody can see each other like a little bit sooner? But no. And so that's that's just a brilliant marketing deal and a brilliant uh, sort of strategy to, to have that game there at the end. Well, it's just too tough. We need a break. And, we've, and they've convinced everybody that, at least in the media for the most, Part that that's what their right is and that's what they deserve, but there there are some brutal stretches, like two three games for uh you know some of these teams that we're I guess we're going to get into here. I wanted to kind of take a look at a and m's a little bit deeper, but uh, I guess if we need to move on, we can
5: well look if you want to go ahead
7: well, I'm trying to get it pulled up now because I couldn't read what was on the screen there, but uh, let me get it here yeah, it's just a little hard for me to read, so twenty okay. Well, never mind. I'm going to have to search for it here. Okay.
5: I, I, I'll I'll help you, Craig, here. Um, I, I got it right
4: ESPN here.
7: ESPN doesn't have it updated. I was they just trying to go to real They name to
5: start the year. They then play McNeese State at Florida versus Bowling Green against Arkansas, which I think is for another year in Arlington. in Arlington. Then they play Missouri at home, on the road against Mississippi State, home against LSU at South Carolina, New Mexico State in a non-conference game, and then at Auburn and home against Texas.
7: Yeah, and uh, that Arkansas game is in Arlington. I mean, I, I commend them for playing Notre Dame. That's the, that's the one thing is you will have an Alabama-Texas like this past year, and you'll have some of those big-time games. So, you know, that can kind of sort of make up for the fact that you're not playing as many conference games as everybody else. Um, and an early, you know, conference game I do think is – you know, exciting. So you're playing Florida on the road there in week number three, as opposed to playing, you know, McNeese State and another team like that instead of playing Florida early on. So, you know, to be fair to my argument that I just had, I do think it's, Kind of weird that not everybody plays the same amount of conference games in the same system. I just I I find that strange. I think at
5: some point, and I don't know if it's going to happen overnight, but I do think at some point that's going to have to change.
7: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe with the maybe with the more open playoff field and more spots, you're not as concerned about that being an issue of you know you losing an extra game, so you're still going to get in. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good run that first month uh, having the the Irish come to town, and then two weeks later playing you know in Gainesville, whatever the Gators and Billy Napier are going to. Look like And they've got an absolute murderer's row, so good luck to him. But, uh, you know, a lot of fun. Missouri, that'll be a great game. Arkansas is a good rivalry. LSU at home uh, in late October. Um, and, you know, then, though, it, it does get a little bit funky. Um, I, I, I think that at Auburn, uh, you know, in late November, depending on where Hugh Freeze has them, could be interesting. But Texas at the end of the year, November 30th on a Saturday... Uh, in Kyle Field or at Kyle Field in College Station. That's going to be amazing pageantry. I mean, that is going to be really cool to see that uh, get reignited. But what I do notice, too, is you've got two off weeks. Yeah. you got two off weeks. You play Missouri, and then you're off, and then you go to Mississippi State, and you play LSU, and then you go to South Carolina, and then you're off again. And then you come back and you play New Mexico State, so that's where some of that buffering of the schedule really comes into play. Where you starting November go to Columbia, and then the next couple of weeks you're going to be kind of a get yourself back together and kind of breathe a little bit, and then try to close out there at Auburn and Texas. But yeah, the two bye weeks is an interesting little wrinkle as well.
4: well and I, well, part of that is also because the season actually does start in August, yeah. this year, so or in 2024, so that that allows for that. But I, I think we're going to. I think two bye weeks might continue to be the norm until they until they reshuffle the entire calendar to make uh, things make sense, which they don't right now. Mm-hmm.
5: All right, let's use Oklahoma next, Jack, if you don't mind. Oklahoma's schedule, they open up against Temple. They will then play what is a Big 12 team now with Houston, but a non-conference game next year. Tulane, I remember a couple of years ago, Tulane took them to the edge. Also, their conference games start with Tennessee at home, at Auburn. Texas in the Red River rivalry, and, of course, that game up in Dallas. Followed by South Carolina at home, at Ole Miss. There's that non-conference game tucked in at the end against Maine. <laughs> at Missouri, Alabama at home, and at LSU. That's going to be interesting. The Missouri continues to build under uh, Drinkwitz like they did this year. That could be one heck of a fun ending, but there's Oklahoma's schedule for 2024.
7: Yeah, so they uh, are going to play Willie Fritz one way or the other, and they are just going to end up playing him at Houston as opposed to uh yep. with Tulane. So, yeah, I mean, Temple, you know, whatever. uh But Houston, uh, we'll see what they look like with Willie Fritz, Tulane. Um, You know, they went and made a great hire, so let's see how much they can kind of keep their strides. So that's not a, just a gimme game. And then when the SEC schedule starts, I mean, I think it's exciting for Oklahoma fans to see these teams as opposed to the teams they've been seeing now for the past 20 years. I mean, there's no doubt you're going to get a little bit more excited for going to Auburn and going to Ole Miss and to Missouri again and then having, you know, the likes of uh, Tennessee and Alabama rolling into town, going and closing the year at LSU. So that's a, that's a massive step up just in in terms of the, the the look of the schedule and just kind of some of the places you're going to be going to so that's a a lot of fun but yeah that first five weeks of the season i mean houston and tulane we'll see what they look like but tennessee and then at auburn uh, i guess we'll kind of see what they look like as well but that tennessee game little josh hypo action uh going to uh going to see the the former you know National championship quarterback, the last guy to win a national championship in Norman, Oklahoma as a quarterback. Nearly Uh, a quarter of a century ago. Nearly 25 years ago. Going to be back at his old stomping grounds and then to Auburn. Then you get that bye week before Texas. So you get a couple of weeks to prepare for UT. Um, Like you said, that main game, main gets thrown in there before you go to Missouri, and then you get an off week. So, again, those two off weeks and having that late-game non-con schedule, I do think lightens, or lightens the blow a little bit versus what kind of a grind it really would look like if you had only the one bye week and you did a non-conference more traditionally. So it makes sense to kind of give you some breathing room for, for everybody involved there. But Alabama and then LSU, to close out those last couple weeks, you're going to need that bye week, that second bye week there.
5: All right, now I want you to look at the Texas schedule. Jack, I don't know if you were able to get the new one. Up that I sent you because the one I had earlier it was just the non conference schedule. But here are their games. I'm going to make note right now you will not see a game, a non conference game, tucked into the back of their schedule. They don't do that. Their games off the top, they open up with Colorado State, uh, and then they will be at home uh, on the uh, yeah, Colorado State. They will then be at Michigan. So AM plays Notre Dame, Oklahoma in their non-conference houston Tulane, at Michigan. Then they play UTSA and then ULM. Then it's straight buzzsaw. Mississippi State, Oklahoma, there's a bye week before that game just like UT has. Then Georgia at home, Vanderbilt, Florida at home, Arkansas on the road, Kentucky at home in that game on November 30th against Texas A&M and College Station.
4: Uh, Outside, like, they have, you know, Michigan and Michigan, Oklahoma, Georgia on their schedule, uh, so not knocking that. But as far as a soft landing for year one in what is a really tough league, I do think that the Longhorns got as soft a one as you can get when you have – you know Mississippi State new coach Vanderbilt Vanderbilt um yeah there's not are, that I, there's not you know, like that extra Fo- game against Tennessee Fo- or LSU Florida and Arkansas coaches on the hot seat you know uh, Kentucky's you know good i mean they're good but um and then and then A&M new coach uh in in a ridiculous rivalry game on the uh, that's coming back on the road so that one that one could get weird like that game probably is going to get weird, um, you know, in the fact that there's going to be so much emotion in College Station, Texas, on November 30th. But, um, but yeah, uh, I do, I mean, I'm not trying to knock their schedule, but I do think that it, it works out better for them than,
5: than maybe some of the
4: people that are still I, in I the I will league. say this, and you
5: might be if – if, in fact, maybe you're right – they're playing Michigan on the road. Oh, yeah. I'm and, not liking Like a and again, yeah. like A&M no. playing Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, I went, when, if you're one of those schools and you have a game like that and a non-conference game... And then you get a slight break based on, again, not having LSU or Tennessee, adding on to whatever you have, okay with that. Uh, Oklahoma, remember, would have been playing Georgia again. But now, because those games were canceled with the SEC developing, that that would not be on their schedule.
7: Yeah, I mean, that week two trip to Ann Arbor is a really tough game. That'll be a lot of fun and a massive TV matchup. Uh, and I'm sure a great atmosphere as well. Um, you know, I think having both Oklahoma and Texas with the bye weeks before that game to make that even is uh, probably a good call, just so you know, one doesn't have the advantage over the other. But I mean, I see where Paul's coming from. You got that Michigan game. I don't think you're worried about any of the other four, though. Um, Mississippi State's your only other S is your first SEC game before the bye, and that's at home. And I mean, who knows with Jeff Levy and in- year number one what they look like. But then you get that bye week to prepare for Oklahoma. But that Oklahoma, Georgia back to back, like yep. that's very, that's big time, like getting both of those teams back to back. But to Paul's point after that, I mean, at Vandy. So that's a nice landing after playing Oklahoma and Georgia and an off week. And then that last month, I mean, there's two road games against two traditional rivals. So those could get really weird. Florida and Kentucky, respectable teams, who knows how good or bad or wherever they are. Um, but I, I get what you mean as far as not having like LSU in the back end and amongst that mix of teams. So I think if you can navigate, it's kind of a tale of three parts. There's your first part that that's that Michigan game. But other than that, you feel good. Then your break. Then that second part, which is only a three-game stretch. Now, that's the tough one. That's going to kind of be the, the determining factor in what that's going that whole season probably looks like with Oklahoma and Georgia back-to-back. But then at Vandy and another break, and then that last month and you know a couple rivalry games, and then Kentucky and Florida. So that'll be a fun they, fireworks filled uh, last month of the season um, for for Texas and a lot of tradition and history there. But yeah, there's there's kind of three chapters here. They,
5: they get to keep, as you mentioned, Oklahoma, Arkansas, A and M.
7: That's awesome. All yeah.
5: former teams that used to be. Even well, when OU was uh, a part of the Big Eight back in the day, Texas will
4: be the the um, the flashpoint for why they're going to go to nine because they do have these you know those three rivals, and unless they go to nine or change it, then you know they're not going to play A and M every year. So, uh, and that you know that then they wouldn't play Arkansas as often. So I, they're going to change that. They just didn't have the the Kejones to do it uh, this year, but. Uh, while we're on the sec schedule i do think that florida deserves to be commended and that's a rare thing for me but at least on paper they have come up with possibly the hardest schedule that you could ever see all right
5: let's let's go i don't have a graphic of theirs but we have it in front of us yeah i've got it right here, and we'll get chat room responses on this they open up against miami at home
7: yes that then is... they
5: play Sanford.
7: And let's let's keep in mind Billy Napier is on somewhat of a warm seat at this point. I mean, yeah. it would be fair to say that there's It'd some there's some proving need to yep. be done here in yes. this next year. Yeah. yeah.
4: So All right. Sanford. Sanford, uh where legendary coach Bobby Baden went to school. But that's this is the only game on
5: their schedule that I can promise you Florida will win. All right. Let's see. A and M. So they have three consecutive games at home in Gainesville. Yeah. The Aggies. Mississippi state on the road, new coach with Jeff Lebby, then a ball, and a uh, off week, then UCF, which you know, is going to have a lot of emotions in that game uh, as as any of the Florida schools when they play each other.
4: Yeah. Uh so again, they'll be favored in in a in, in a lot of these, but as far as you know when you talk about Miami, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be and they're probably going to they're they've been they were more talented this year than they were last year. And they'll probably be more talented again. Um, so Miami's tough to start out, and Miami fans—I uh, mean, nobody hates the Gators as much as Florida State does, but Miami really doesn't like them because when Miami got good in the '80s, Florida quit playing. No, they did. Yeah, that back and when they had so those it, great, great seasons. Yeah, like. You know they they do it like once a decade. They do a home at home, and then that's that's it. So they're
5: back on the schedule. Yeah, they're back on the schedule. UCF in a non conference game is a little bit dicey, of course. Yeah, especially in the middle, like right in the middle of the year, like that. Yeah, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss. And oh, by the way, your arch rival, Florida State. So in the last, in
4: the, in the last month of the season, after their second bye, they play the two teams that barely missed this year's college football playoff, uh, they, which are both their two biggest rivals. They play a team in the college football playoff at their place. They play a team who is, uh, on a down year, nine and three, and they play a team in Ole Miss who is ten, 10 and two, two. Yep. and would have made a twelve team playoff this year. All of these teams. Maybe LSU wouldn't have been. They'd be the outside looking in. But all these teams would have been in discussion for the college football playoff at a 12-team this year.
5: That is a stretch. Yeah, and that doesn't include, again, the emotional start against Miami that used to be a rivalry, mm-hmm. and then they backed away. I'll never forget, and this is back in the 80s or whatever year it was, when Miami smoked them like 30 to nothing in an opening game, and you could just – the differences, of course, in Miami and, oh, and everybody they, was pretty obvious. And they can't, it wasn't like they
4: played the other one and then went on. They lost and then canceled canceled it. Yeah. Like they it was one of those things like you guys have to play somebody else next year cuz oh, we're not so doing good it. luck Billy yeah.
5: Napier and the Gators.
7: That's a, you know, that's that's an interesting wrinkle for next season with uh, the season starting when it does so that how that looks across schedules with the uh, the extra the week to breathe will be really interesting in college football. Um but yeah, I mean if you're looking at tougher schedules or toughest schedules, um, that 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 four schedule, especially that that third chapter uh after the second bye week of Georgia at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, at Florida State. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a tougher five consecutive weeks, no buys, five consecutive weeks of that. I can't imagine that there's a tougher schedule on paper than that. There's just, I don't, I don't even know how that'd be possible. Georgia at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, at Florida State. So yikes. Uh, you better hope that you got about five wins at that point or six already if you're Billy Napier. And I see Sanford is one and then not a guaranteed one anywhere else on that schedule. So. Yeah, uh, he's he's gonna have his work cut out for him. That's for sure.
5: One note on another uh, transfer portal. We'll come back from the break and discuss the linebacker from UTSA and where he's going to be, at least visiting. And with all of what you've seen, and we've already we know what the Big Twelve schedule is, uh, and you know, again, a lot of things that are going on with the twelve team playoff. Do you change your expectations of what is the standard or the accepted win loss record? For your college football team. Yes, you want to go undefeated. But does that change now? Because 9-3 and three is going to get you in the college football playoff or most likely a team or two. We'll come back with that. Your feedback also. This is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental. Robinson, Texas. My dentist is Dr. Steve Childress. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, a lot of you even discuss it in the chat room. If it's not a crown, then it's a root canal. If it's not a bridge being fixed, then it's a retainer. If it's not that, then it's a cavity. All of that is what I've been through, but I feel more confident with what I have and where I am with my dental work than ever before, but it took a game plan. It took the process of building like you would if you take over a football team. Let's do this now. Let's do this next, and then let's also look ahead, and this needs to be done too. It never ends when you probably didn't take care of your teeth like I didn't for a long time not just brushing your teeth or flossing your teeth or making sure you don't like, but I, I didn't, I didn't do well with that. And I've been paying for it literally, but Dr. Steve Childress and Stonewood Dental has got me in a pretty darn good place. In fact, a great place. After the last time I was there, I sent him a text. I said, man, you're my godsend when it comes to dental work. And he is Dr. Steve Childress, Stonewood Dental, Robinson, Texas. Don't miss the
6: wrap up the year sales event at allen samuels in waco as the year comes to a close we're offering unbeatable deals and a wide selection of new 2023 jeep models like the grand cherokee grand cherokee l renegade gladiator wrangler and the wrangler 4xe in addition to incredible savings we're also offering generous trade-in values for your current vehicle upgrade to a newer model while getting the most out of your trade-in hurry in these deals won't last long shop our great selection of new inventory and start the new year in
7: style Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products and stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel & Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco.
6: Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 dollars Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com
0: Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni.
5: Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543.
1: is 365 sports
3: the three o'clock hour is sponsored by waco custom marketplace meats sweets texas treats and a cut above the rest 425 lake air drive waco
5: kim Coulter, you're right i do need to be an investor in stonewood dental i basically am uh as a patient that uh, he, he is amazing so uh, a couple of you had said that yeah you're you're uh your expectation standard of a record that you know 10 and 2 used to be like that's what you had to do now that could change because a 9 and 3 team could get in depending on what probably conference you're in or who you played so craig you brought this up i think it will change i i just think it'll be hard for some of those schools that like are expecting 11 and 1 and 12 and 0 no than no less than that until they get into the playoffs with two or three losses and have success in the playoff. Then they'll kind of get used to that.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take an adjustment for everybody. I mean, like next year, you know, as we were talking about, everybody having those couple of bye weeks because when the season starts, it's going to be like kind of a weird adjustment, you know, just something that's kind of different and don't know quite how that's going to look. For better, certainly can't be worse. I mean, nobody's going to be complaining about having an extra extra week to prepare. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's far less significant than, than your topic there, which, um, yeah, I do think is going to change some expectations, I think probably mostly with winning conference titles. I think because you don't have to win a conference title to get into the playoff unless you're some of the conferences. Uh, but, for example, if you're Tennessee – and you can't get over that Georgia hump or you can't get over that Georgia-Alabama or LSU hump and you lose a couple games, Like that's going to suck that you lost to two teams that you didn't want to lose to or what have you. But you can still get in the playoff. Mm -hmm. Um, So does winning the SEC East, well, I guess there won't be divisions now, but does not get into the championship game um, and not winning the SEC on a regular basis matter as much. I would think that if it's you know like a twenty year drought, that's going to build up pressure wise, and and you're going to want to rele- uh you know, get that release of, of getting back there and winning that. But maybe it's not as big of a deal because yeah, well, we finished third in the best conference, or in this conference or that conference, and um, you know, in that one particularly, you're still going to be able to get in. Now, for everybody else, though, like how. Are there two teams from the Big 12 on a regular basis? Are there two, three teams from the ACC on a regular basis? What does that look like? Because I think we all feel pretty confident there's going to be at least three from the Big 10 and three from the SEC, at least. Um And and wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to see, like, four from the SEC if they could somehow finagle it, that. You it know would what I mean? Have well, to be, it yeah. would no, have I to know. be
4: some sort of a tragic year for that not no, to happen. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. But, so, uh,
5: but it wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Well,
7: I,
4: wouldn't, I, think,
5: I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah.
7: Paul's saying it had to take a tragic year for that to not happen. To not happen. Yeah. For three, three and three and not for, for, for like, right. and again.
5: Yeah, for a t- if a conference gets four in, they would have to have just an amazing run, no matter who the conference no. is. But everybody else would then have to have a down year.
7: No, Is that I what think you're I think y'all are no, I think you're opposite smoke. Yeah.
4: Okay. I'm saying for there not to be 3 SEC and 3 Big 10 teams in oh, every year. Yeah.
5: It would have to be some sort of ridiculous year. Yeah. Like right. ridiculous where Like Clemson and Florida State are both unbeaten except one loss to the other. Because think about yeah. it, there's
7: the ACC champ, there's the Big 12 champ, there's the G5. Well, that's right. only 3 spots. So yeah. that leaves you 9 spots. Yeah. So that's six spots. If you just get just each of those three, yeah. there's still th- uh, three spots left. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. a
5: conference to get in four would be like, would I bet Buddy. against you? No. <laughs> Would
7: I bet against it, no. Look at the top 25 right now. No,
5: I know. Yeah. How many teams from
7: the SEC do you think are yeah. getting into this thing?
5: Yeah, and that's why I love it when Dellinger used to put the 12-team playoff this year, and I think there were four SEC teams yeah. involved so this that's, year.
7: That's what I think most people's expectations are, is you're going to have, like, four from that league and then three to whatever.
5: there's going to be seven at large, right?
7: Um yeah, I guess so. Um because like,
5: the Pac-12 no longer a part right, of so that it. Is, so yeah,
7: reinforces that, yeah. you know, there's four conferences there that'll probably all get their champ and then you will get the G5. And then there's seven spots. And yep. so that's what all the politicking about the auto bids and all, that's what all the concern has been is how do you prevent this from just becoming the SEC Big Ten Invitational, basically.
5: Probably can't unless you just as opposed rise.
7: To the four-team Invitational that it currently is, uh, emphasis on Invitational. But, uh, yeah, I think that because of that, because you could finish fourth in your league if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten and still get a shot at playing for a national title, I think you're not as worried about being 9-3 and three as in a year where – it's just a four team. You have no shot at the playoff. You're probably not even getting to your conference championship game at uh, at nine and three. And so how how and then you're going to just a bowl game, whatever that bowl game would be. It might be a nice bowl game, but it's not like as big of a deal as you went nine and three. You're going to play in a. Uh, you know, major playoff game right out of the gate. You know, so I, I think that's where it's going to be a little bit different of of having three losses and not playing for every single imaginable thing won't be as big of a deal because you'll be in the you, playoff. You
5: could end up 9-4, and four, losing the playoff in the first round and still feel pretty good. Is that what you're saying?
7: No, I was just saying that you could, like, um, I'm saying that you can lose three games and in a normal year, you're probably not playing for a conference title. All right. You're not going to any playoff. You're just playing in a good bowl game. Yep. you go nine and three now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. We, it doesn't matter that you're not in the conference title game because you're still probably going to the playoff. If you're in the SEC or if you're in the Big Ten, it, emphasis uh, lean on the SEC especially or ten and two or whatever. Uh, now, okay, well, we didn't get to play for the conference title, and you got okay. week. Do what? Yeah, if you don't play for the conference championship, it's not a bad deal. You get a bye deal, week, you a and bye you go week. to the playoffs. Yeah. That's my point, yeah. is that if you lose three games, that would be like, oh, great, we're going to the, the Cotton Bowl, that's cool, on a good year. But now, like, you're in the playoffs. So that's where I'm saying that it, it changes expectations that 9-3 and three is not as – not bad season but it's not as as above average of a season it's actually a pretty good season because you went to the playoff or at least that's how i imagine teams will take that because making the playoff will now be the next banner that people start to put up and what i said playoff go, appearances and, and
5: what i was saying is you could go nine and four get in the playoff and lose in the first round but still feel you got into the playoff and so it's somewhat successful now no, alabama georgia and them that's not going to be the case I, for them
4: everybody's gonna have to uh, adjust their expectations look We're still seeing people slow to the fact on NIL and that it's legal. Like, you know, you'll have people like, ah, well... Alabama's doing it the wrong way. They're paying everybody. Well, so is everybody. Like it's not yeah. illegal. Like the only reason you feel it's wrong is because they told you it was for a long time before they changed the rule, or you know the the colleges haven't been like fully out to embrace it yet. So, Paul, you are, uh, so,
5: nine and three FSU makes the playoff. Is that good for you? Uh, look, that's the new expectation. If it's a down
7: year, yeah. I mean, nine and three. You know, okay, eight, like uh, the, uh, that's should be their floor. Yeah. i was gonna say nine and three should be the floor for teams like that. But I still don't totally agree with you. I don't think going 9-3 and three and then losing your first playoff game is going to be satisfying. I think that it will depend. It won't sting as much. It yeah. won't sting as much, but it will depend on who you are and if kind of where you okay, are.
5: Let, let's say it's Iowa. Yeah.
7: Going nine and three and making the playoff, I think like they would have loved that this year. Yep. They won more than nine games, and they're not playing for jack when it comes to the playoffs, exactly So I right. think for them that'd be a pretty good year. I think it also depends though if you go nine and three and then you go lose to Liberty in the first game at home, yeah. then that's going right. to, you know, there that's going to be a different story. It's going to depend on what that that playoff game looks like in the long run. But yeah, for uh, Iowa as an example, they would take that over what they've got for right any now. Team
5: that's quite like not even in the conversation. Okay, here's another thing. We may say three teams in the Big Ten or three teams in the SEC. Let's just use it as like the line. Think about who won't make it. If you take three from the Big Ten plus the incoming schools, if they're all pretty good, Washington, Oregon, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, someone's missing out. I mean, they are now anyway. But you, if you don't make it, and you got all those ten, just the Big Ten, not to mention what the SEC is going to be loaded up with.
7: Well, I mean, who would have been? I mean, that's where it comes into play of uh, who's making it the ACC besides Florida State. I know who's I know. making it besides Texas in the Big Twelve. Yeah,
5: no, I know. Are you
7: going to put Oklahoma State in there after that conference nope. title
5: game. No, nope. I nope. don't think so. Right? Nope. So nope, not that's at where
7: all. it starts to you know. So- become murky on, on how that's all going to look. And that's why I think too, it, it matters on, you know, kind of what that, that, 13th game ends up being and where and how that all, I think it'll be a case by case basis on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for a team to lose that first playoff game. It'd be one I, thing to go on the road, mm-hmm. you lose a close game, but hey, you were nine and four, you lost at Florida State in Tallahassee in the first round in a close game, and you were in the playoff, like hey, good year. But if you were nine and three, you lose to freaking Tulane on your home field to close the season and the hey, you made the playoff, but damn, that was a sorry no, way to, you, to exit. You know, you
5: go nine and three and lose to Tulane in a bowl. Game game then it's different than if you go nine and three and lose in the playoff but it's still a loss all right um david paul and craig being the playoff committee set a standard that a missing player affects your playoff status should the transfers and undergrads to the nfl be done before bowl selection so does that i'm not i I, thank you it's over streaming thank you very much so with the way things are will this slow down opt-outs Will or, or or maybe some of the opt-outs will it yeah. will it change the transfer portal? No. Or declaring the opt-outs would be declaring for the NFL. Draft. It
0: can't
4: change the, the. They've got a problem with the transfer portal. Jack yeah. brought this up to me. The, the The transfer portal has a problem in that you have to, in order to transfer, you have to do it within academic calendars. So. Unless they change the academic calendar, and not everybody has the same one, right? I mean, it's it's around the same time, but one school can be done on December tenth and back on January tenth, and another school can be done on December seventeenth and back on January fourth. You I mean it just mm-hmm. it's different everywhere. So in order to fit in the windows to where if you want if you're if you're Malik Murphy and you're transferring, part of the reason you can't play in the bowl game for Texas is if they win the game. Uh, in the first college football playoff game, you will have to be on campus at your next school matriculating at a different... When they play the championship game. When they play the championship game, so...
5: And then add on to that, there's now going to be extra
4: rounds. They have to... Look, they have to figure out a way to change the entire calendar in college football because it does not make sense.
5: There's one, okay. And
4: it's like... Everything happening in December is not sustainable just for human being in work hours. All
7: right, here's a yeah, qu-
5: question I, for you too, Craig. Go
7: ahead. Well, I uh, I thought it was funny to see some of the Texas uh, reactions. Uh, there was a couple in particular like, man, this stupid calendar, and I understand why. I'm not knocking the, the complaint, but the response was funny because it was, all oh, this stupid calendar, Malik should be able to play, and then somebody's like, yeah, there's a thing called school that these players go to, and there's semesters that they are a part of, and classes, and yeah. there's a calendar for those things because this is college football, and it's almost like everybody needed a reminder of, oh yeah, there's the classes they have to worry about, and not the still playoff student dates.
5: Student athlete, if you want to, act yeah, yeah, but
7: to put to everybody's point on that of, yeah, I don't see how that's sustainable because it's one thing to lose Malik Murphy, your backup quarterback. Uh, in a four-team playoff, you just got to get through a couple of games. If you're talking about a 12-team playoff, especially for those that aren't getting a bye, and you lose a Malik Murphy, and you got a quarterback who's maybe already a little wobbly, then yeah, I mean that's a huge loss to not have a backup quarterback who's you know a big part of your team. And you know if Quinn Ewers goes down again in round one, and you've got you know maybe three more games to play. I mean, I guess it's in their case, that's that's the case of, well, Arch Manning. So people would be like, oh, that'd be great. But the Is point being— Is he yeah, You, yeah, you yeah. still yeah. don't
0: actually
5: yeah. know, even though he looked pretty good right. in that one quarter. But you'd before. rather we... have
7: Malik Murphy for this playoff no. run. So, yeah, they're going to have to de- at least analyze and, and look into how that those dates will work with the transfer portal and the and expanded playoff.
5: Bracket Cat, I have your question for Craig. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Also, if you're a Texas fan— if in fact you knew that yours was wobbly and may not play, what would your reaction be if Malik Murphy entered the transfer portal? When we come back, Max Olson, theathletic.com, and this is 365 Sports. Texas. I'm sorry, I with the wrong one. That's also in the break. Pioneer Stew and Pike, Pioneer Boy since 1943, brand new location. East of I-35 on Highway 6 and Loop 340. What a family. What an unbelievable business. They have weathered the storm where a lot of other big box national brand companies came into Waco and kept getting bigger, better, faster, and stronger, and Pioneer Steel and Pipe did not blink. They still, because of how they treat you, the customer, because of the product they had, even if they didn't have as much, even if the big box stores could ask or or maybe even lowered their prices to try to run you out of business, they did not give up, and they just kept on fighting. They kept on producing great, great customer service, and they kept on producing the great material. But now, hello, they're now one of the big boys with all of the material, better and better efficiency when it comes to the products and how you can pick it up. Heavy steel, metal, pipe, pioneer steel and pipe, pioneerboys.com.
6: Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgin Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgin Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explorer, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgin Ford. Bird Colgin Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears.
7: We'll I see an equal housing lender. Waco
5: Custom Marketplace 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, eight to ten pounds for four forty five a pound. Pit hams, twelve pounds for four forty five a pound. Bone in hams, eighteen to twenty two pounds for three forty per pound. Whole raw turkeys from twelve to sixteen pounds for two fifty a pound. Whole smoked turkeys—that's smoked turkeys at nine to twelve pounds for three dollars and seventy five cents a pound—and many pit hams to eight pounds for five dollars and 99 cents a pound and don't forget they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want pork poultry seafood and beef and i bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib brian bauer and the bauer family full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal waco custom marketplace and the holiday items 425 twenty five. Take Drive in Waco.
3: When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected.
4: Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations.
2: Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
3: Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student athletes. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisory. Advisory council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore green X Gold on social media and visit the official website. website. Website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. Welcome back to 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. It's time for our weekly segment with Max Olson of The Athletic, brought to you by Pioneer Steel & Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects with two locations in Waco and Bryan, family owned and operated since 1943. Max Olson, com, has nothing to do the transfer
5: portal, the NIL, all of what's going on with the NCAA, and, yes, eventually football games starting this weekend or eventually the semifinals. Max, have you ever seen so many things converge at one time?
2: Oh, gosh, don't even ask me about the Ace of Life stuff, please. I, I literally <laughs> do not have time for that today, guys. <laughs> literally. <laughs> what we, now, we you know?
5: We won't. Has there anything in particular <laughs> – Anything in particular with the transfer portal surprised you with a player going one place or another?
2: You know, I, I, I think that uh, you're, you're starting to see the quarterback market uh, shake out a little bit here. Um, you know, I, you obviously saw Malik Murphy going yesterday uh, for, for Texas. He's not officially in yet, but everyone was kind of expecting that, you know, I, th- I think it's kind of decision time for some of the key guys out there. I think Cameron Ward, what he decides to do between you know Miami, Florida State, whoever else ends up being in the mix there, that's going to affect where Will Howard ends up and, and DJ and some of these other guys. Um, you know, I, I think it, we're, it's while it's still early. I think as the commitments kind of start flying in here over the past few days, you're starting to see a few teams really emerge as the uh, the contenders for uh, I guess you'd say portal king this year. Been really impressed by what Notre Dame's done, uh, not just getting Riley Leonard, but but picking up. Uh, good pieces at wide receiver, RJ Open from Duke. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're doing a nice job. They, they've been pretty aggressive. I, I think you're seeing Ole Miss is about to make a run here um, and and pick up some really good players. Some of these teams, Ole Miss, Oregon, Texas, Oklahoma. I think you're really seeing them step up here, and uh, they are they're definitely invested in getting the good ones in the portal here. I, I really like what Texas Tech has done too. I think there's some some Big Twelve teams that have a chance to really benefit. And I think Texas Tech is off really a really sneaky good start here with some of the players they're picking up. But, uh, man, it is it is dizzying to follow, that's for sure.
4: Max, uh, Cam Ward uh, visiting FSU this weekend. So is DJ Uyangalele. Uh He's there yeah. uh, as well. Um, let's let's just say Cam Ward uh, takes another visit or two. How much does that push those guys waiting on whether – you know, if they're option two to Cam Ward, like a like a Will Howard might be at Miami, to waiting or making a decision sure. otherwise.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's an interesting little bit, like a little dance that we got here. Especially because um, one factor that is kind of hanging over all of this is that when the dead period kicks in here um, next Monday, these these transfers they can't go take a bunch of official visits. That you know, you can go take the unpaid visit where you go to our campus by yourself. But this is kind of the critical weekend here for these guys to take their OVs between now and uh, early January. And so, um, you know, I think for the, on, on the school side, as much as you want to be in the Cam Ward states, it's kind of like, all right, we we're going to need a decision here pretty quickly because like, if you're Miami and you've got Will Howard, like ready potentially, like do you take that commitment or you kind of keep, keep fighting here? Um, I think same thing with Florida state. Obviously they've targeted DJ from the start since DJ went in the portal. And so while it's exciting to go head to head with Miami on this one, um, yeah, I think these are all pretty interconnected here and it's time for these guys to make decisions. And if Cam Ward wants to take his time, I think that's going to make it complicated for, for some of these players. And as much as you understand Cam Ward, like, you know, wanting to maximize the leverage and, and whatever the collectives are willing to pay and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, you got to, these teams are kind of waiting on you to uh, to make a move so they can go get uh, get more players in the portal here and others can figure it out. So, yeah, it's, it's that that game of musical chairs is, is pretty real at that position, and uh, I think we're going to start getting some answers here pretty soon.
7: So with all these dominoes starting to fall, Max, so what are your thoughts on Malik Murphy joining the fray just yesterday? I mean, it's interesting just from a playoff standpoint, right, that he won't be available for Texas. It'll be arch if, if something, yeah. God forbid, were to happen to Quinn. But now throwing his hat into the ring, would you presume that maybe he kind of already has an idea of what chair is still available or how do you view Malik Murphy now jumping into the, into the pool?
2: Yeah. You know, first of all, I think that whole situation is unfortunate. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I think that, that that really sucks for both sides, That like, you kind of get it. This is the way the calendar is set up right now. Um, But you wish that Malik Murphy could stay with Texas and just wait and do this um, after Texas is, is done playing in the postseason. And so I get why, um, you know, th- there's a bunch of different factors for him and his people that, that he's got a weigh here. But uh, you, you wish that weren't the case when Texas is trying to make a run in the national championship. You know, I think Malik Murphy, it's interesting when you talk to personnel people on him, I think that going into the year, a lot of excitement, a guy that they really circled as somebody that is probably going in the portal and, and is going to get some pretty strong offers here. Um, I think what he put on tape against Texas was maybe – what he put on tape in his two starts for Texas, I think. Maybe a little bit of a, I don't want to say reality check, but just like a a pretty good good summary of like where he's at. He made some big-time throws in those games against BYU-Kansas State. Um, He he made some mistakes against K-State in that game that went to overtime. Obviously, they won both those games, and and he deserves a ton of credit for keeping them in the race. But I think teams are going to be very excited about the size, the big arm, the tools, just the potential there, and the fact that, He's still a retro freshman. You can get a multi-year starter there. Um, where he goes, I think, it's super interesting because I think there's a few teams here that have been pretty quiet lately. I think, uh, you know, you talk to other people that are in the quarterback market. They want to know what Ohio State's going to do. and They want to know what USC's going to do. And I think Auburn's been quiet, even though I think Auburn's in the mix here, too, like in the market. Some of these teams that you're kind of want, like, like, wait, who's their guy? Who You know, when you're kind of playing matchmaker here hard to tell what they're going to do and I think Malik Murphy is going to be getting calls from from those schools and and plenty more so Max uh Dylan Raiola
5: was in the news this week because the the five-star commitment to Georgia apparently visiting Lincoln Nebraska was talking to Kyle McCord that appears to be now off uh are they going to screw this up and end up with nobody including their commitment the kid from Nebraska that was committed to Missouri
2: I thought you were going to ask me is Nebraska
7: back? No, <laughs> that was going to be my question. No, that, no. we're asking. going to save that one
2: for next week. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, I, I think. No, come on. I, I think Help. that the. Yeah. I, I think that uh, things ending there with Kyle McCord is uh, kind of tips things a little bit in terms of like probably hinting that things are looking good for Dylan Raiola and Nebraska. Okay. Um, you know, I certainly don't blame Danny Kalin for, for taking the visit to Michigan State this weekend and trying to figure out his options because when, when you're in the same class as a kid and you know if Dylan Royola were to come to Nebraska, everybody would want him to be the guy and the starter right away and stuff. I think that factors into all these decisions for the Nebraska quarterback situation, not to mention the guys that are already in the room. So I I think, you know, cautious optimism it's it's looking good for Nebraska with Dylan Royola. Obviously you're going head to head with Georgia and uh, I, I think that that's uh, <laughs> that's that's never an easy W by any means but um, extremely interesting that this has popped up as we approach the signing day deadline here. Um, ultimately, did Dylan Riola always want to be at Nebraska, or is it more a situation of, you know, Carson Beck probably coming back at Georgia? You mm-hmm. feel like there's a better path to playing time there, uh, you know, but by going to your dad's alma mater? You know, that, that battle, um, it, <laughs> I think if you're a Husker fan, you're very optimistic, um, but, but, probably uh probably a little scary too the the fact that this might actually happen
5: especially if he's using them to get more money from Georgia that that might be it too
2: Yeah. well who who knows who knows we're we're these are uh, these are wild times but max so do you think that
4: nebraska would still get a portal quarterback just maybe not somebody to the level of cal mccord if they do um proceed with riot in that way <laughs>
2: I, I think at the uh, going, you know, at the start of December, I think the Nebraska perspective was we're going to go get a, a transfer quarterback and uh, we can afford a good one. Um, you, you knew that Jeff Sims was going to be moving on. Obviously that didn't work out. Um, and they needed to go get one who they felt like, especially with the defense that they have that, um, you know, if you go get a pretty, pretty steady quarterback who doesn't turn it over, you have a chance to win a lot more games next year. I, don't, I think the whole Dylan Royola that whole thing restarting was not something that was really anticipated by Pat rule and his staff a couple of weeks ago. But uh, now that that door is open again, um, you know, I, I think that uh, he's extremely talented and I think obviously the fan base wants that to happen. You, it's, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like drop everything you're doing and go all in on this. I think that's kind of what this has turned out to be. So if you get him on board, it's going to affect the other guys in your room and, and yeah, you're probably going to have to go uh, find a veteran who can uh, come in and, uh, uh, you know, fill out that room, but yeah, a lot to play out there.
7: Max, uh, one of the decisions that has been made. There's a, a lot we can spend all day just talking about the decisions already made, uh, much less the ones that haven't yep. been made. But uh, Dylan Gabriel heading to his third school, uh, playing for yep. the Oregon Ducks, replacing Bo, Bo Nick. So, what are your thoughts on that
2: move? I, I think that uh, I think it makes a lot of sense on both sides, um, and, and I don't think like I, I think it, it certainly seems to me like Oklahoma fans are excited for the Jackson Arnold era to get underway here. As much as Dylan Gabriel was, you know, the, the All Big Twelve quarterback this year and at his best season and everything, um, I think it's kind of a good deal for both sides because I think, you know, I, and Dylan Gabriel has said this: the, the reality of the situation is he didn't get invited to the Senior Bowl. I think the draft feedback was late round pick or possibly undrafted, as good as he was this year. And so that's a little bit scary for a guy that, uh, you know, even though he's been in college for a long time, you get that kind of feedback after having your best season yet you're like, okay, well, we probably got to do something to improve that. And and certainly you can make more money at Oregon next year than than you would as a practice squad guy in the NFL. So I think it makes a ton of sense for Dylan Gabriel. And he's really, I think, the right fit for this Oregon team because I think they feel like they've got a lot coming back. And look, they might still go get Dante Moore to be the backup and and be the future guy. But I think that's a team that that didn't want to go take a guy who's a a freshman or a sophomore and kind of develop multi-year starter. I think they feel like even though they're moving into the Big Ten and there's new challenges with that, I think they feel ready. like they're, they're ready to, to run it back here and contend uh, for, for a playoff spot next year in the 12th team. And so you want to go get a veteran who you really trust can, can do it at a high level to replace Bo Nicks. And I think Dylan Gabriel is kind of a perfect uh, perfect option there if that's what you're trying to do.
5: Max, is the schedule of the early signing day, the opt outs, the transfer portal, and everything else above, plus the 12 team playoff starting next year, sustainable?
2: No, definitely not. No, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause problems. You, you think about it, like, you know, Willie Fritz takes the Houston job this year. If Tulane's like the 12th seed in, in that playoff, is he just like stuck in that job? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, mm-hmm. how, is the, how is the timing going to work on, on, on some of these, even just with the coaching carousel? And our guys going to be like willing to leave, you know, willing to leave their job when the team's in the playoffs to go take another job, like we saw Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame for LSU. Like, it's hard to hard to picture that, but it's not not impossible. I think that you've got that problem. I think you've got, you know, ultimately as as December just continues to get absolutely dominated by the transfer portal. Something that's great for high school recruiting, and I think ultimately, like it should, if, if the leaders are being forward thinking. I think it's time to start t- talking a little bit more seriously about do you do like an end of July signing period and just let these guys get it out of the way and then have another one in February or something like that. Cause I just don't think the December signing period is uh, I-, I-, I think that is, is making less and less and less sense the way this is developed. And I mean, you know, you've got, you've got coaching staff that are traveling to bull sites while also trying to like take commitments from the portal and, in homes and stuff like that, it's just mm-hmm. really chaotic. And uh, I think the 12 team is uh, is going to make that worse for sure.
5: Max Olsen. P- Paul. Anything
4: else? Uh, yep. No, no. Uh, other than uh, you know Max. If it, Paul, Paul, which quarterback do you
2: want at Florida State? Yeah. Can, Cam Ward, without a doubt.
4: Yeah, I would say Cam. Like I wouldn't like I'm not going to complain about either one, but Cam Ward would be the one. You know, I think he's got the higher ceiling you know and and i hope that he's not the kind of guy that's just swayed by having dinner at a fancy restaurant with a with a big time Rick ross the boss yeah yeah sure. like i got i don't know i don't know what fsu can roll out in that reg- I we mean, got yeah, t-pain so maybe we can get t-pain so
2: T Pain, okay that's that's a good offering yeah it's uh it's it's wild to just even keep up with like where are these guys even visiting because these things just develop so quickly and uh I don't know. Do do we even know who who's the Baylor quarterback next year? Well, I guess we'll know a week or two from now, right? Do we even know? DaQuan Finn's on campus right now, so or we think. Well,
5: there you go.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. If not, if it's not him, then uh, (laughs) who the heck knows? If it's not him, then I'm not sure.
5: If they didn't call, at least whoever's handling Malik Murphy, that would be silly not to. I mean, I think they should at least contact him, whether or not that fits or not, or he's interested or not.
2: Yeah, it's 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 funny. I, I mean. I don't envy that situation for, for staff to get that job. And before you even really assess your roster and what you're going to do, you're just like, all right, go get a quarterback. So uh, I'm interested to see kind of, you know, certainly you can tailor it to some of these guys like, like Finn is a really dynamic athlete. And I think he can tailor things to what he does a little bit, but uh, yeah, very, very, very up in the air there in terms of uh, offensive identity when you don't have the QB yet.
7: Yeah, I mean, well, on that, I mean, it does seem now, I guess like it was about two weeks ago, but shoot, Blake Shapin, I mean, uh, to Mississippi State, uh, small world that he ends up with Jeff Levy. um, But, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that seems like it was forever ago. But, shoot, uh, what are your thoughts on Blake Shapin heading down to Starkville to play for Jeff Levy?
2: How how many – I was just writing about uh, Will Howard earlier today. How many, like – Quarterbacks that have played in Big Twelve title games have transferred. That's those two, Spencer Sanders. Like the yeah. list goes on. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that, you know, especially with kind of the way this market is setting up, um, and and you kind of know which guys are in, but you don't totally know who all is going in. I thought it was interesting that Jeff Webby moved pretty quickly to go get who he thinks is his guy. I, I think the thing with Shapen is uh, just in talking to other coaches, like. Really, really like his moxie. I think his good football, like his good tape is pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, certainly that offensive system, like it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that, team, you know, that, that, that offense comes together because uh, they've lost a lot to the portal as you'd expect after a uh, coaching change. Their running back, Woody Marks is, is one of the top running backs available in the portal. They've lost some wide So, you know, Jeff Levy facing, facing a big reload there in terms of getting playmakers. Uh, to support uh, Blake Shaven. So, you know, I, I think fresh shirt probably a good thing for him, but, uh, you know, very TBD in terms of who he's playing with there. Max,
5: great stuff as always. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Max Olson, theathletic.com, with us on 365 Sports. And a mouthful to digest, and glad we had him on.
7: Yeah, I mean, the the Blake Shaven thing, I hated the timing of that because it happened, and it happened Friday at, like, 6 o'clock. It's like – everybody's done now i mean as far as like radio and whatnot i mean the message boards were were always active but now i mean the timing of it makes me not even think a few days later even about it uh, quite yeah. frankly i'm only reminded about it when we bring up daquan finn and and the fact that he's visiting because that now they need a quarterback as opposed to um still probably needing one regardless of what shape and if, if shaping to come back but um yeah, if they don't get Finn then and I have no earthly idea of, of where they might pivot to after that. I know there's some talk on the boards about you know, what that could look like, but we'll see how his visit goes and uh very interesting the timing of Malik Murphy, and I know that's gonna be a hot debate now, is just the the fact that with a bigger playoff, how are you going to handle guys in the transfer portal? I mean, how are you gonna you can't have all these guys sitting in the portal and not playing in these super meaningful games, yeah. right? So what do you do about that if you're college football? I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see where he ends up.
4: You know the the interesting thing um, when you look at who's left in the in the portal, um, and it comes to look if you want another Sawyer Robertson type, there's plenty of those guys who, right. who haven't, you know, if you're just going to have a you know somebody else to, to battle it out with Sawyer, but if you want somebody who has experience. That you think maybe has a leg up to win the starting job, or somebody like da- DaQuan Finn, who's you know the the conference player of the year where he's coming from, that that could send you you know on a, on a maybe a much higher track a lot faster. There's not you know guys after that that are that are just sitting around. And you I would know argue. Like- He's not, not even, but, yeah. I mean,
7: experience-wise he is. But, like, as far as the big-name guys, they're already pretty much attached, committed, or they're down to, like, a couple schools, to your right. point. It's, yeah. Yeah, there's not, like, another DJU floating around, coming down the pipeline. or I mean, those guys are all pretty much spoken for. So, yeah, you better have had your guys sort of targeted. And right. there will be another rush in the, the spring. You know, there will be more guys eventually. But T- Taylor McCart will join us in the
5: next segment to discuss some of the quarterbacks, either who have committed elsewhere and or are out there. So, right now, you guys talk amongst yourselves Who are DJ, Cam Ward, and who are two or three others in that same bracket, if at all?
4: Well, I would say that Dante Moore is... Um, UCLA, yeah, Will I mean, Howard, yeah, Will Howard is, um, you know, um, Will Howard's in a lot more than Dante what about Moore. Kyle McCord is. Who's the guy that was at Mississippi State? Uh, Will Rogers. I like, mean, would those... you would you be against if you were a team needed a quarterback? Uh, no, uh, but kay. I mean, he he is. I think part of the reason he's been slow played a little bit is because he's he's played injured this year, and so and he was also wasn't. Uh, it was an arm injury, and that's that's somewhat important if you're a quarterback. Depends, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, so it you know he's got this elbow thing, so people are going to wonder about that. So there are, but then once you get past the Will Rogers of the world, okay. So if you want another guy who's comparable to Blake Shapin, who's played a lot, and you want there's not those guys left
5: because now yeah, one of the things he has done is that even though he didn't play much the year that he had that. Uh, the, the run against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, he's played a lot the last couple of years. He has thrown a lot of passes, so he is experienced. You kind of know who he is, and, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that anyone's going to jump at him, but Mississippi State feels like they found their guy. Am I right that Mississippi State also received another quarterback in the transfer portal after shaping? Why um, do I think that
4: way? I, I'll, hold on. I'll tell you all the players that Mississippi State has, has gotten. Okay. They actually just got an offensive One thing line. What he
5: has done is, like Bill Parcells has said, he's thrown a ton of passes, like 7, 800 passes in his career, or maybe not quite that many. So at least he's thrown the ball and played quite a bit.
4: Yeah. No, um, they did get an offensive lineman, which um, <laughs> Blake Shapin surely going to be thrilled about. Uh, so uh, did they get another quarterback? They got, no, they have okay. three guys uh, so far committed um, for Misty State in the Portal Blake Shapin, Ethan Minor, the offensive lineman I talked about, okay. and Kedrick Bingley Jones, who came in from North Carolina. He is a defensive
5: okay, lineman. Okay, I would have been weird if they had gotten him to yeah, come in you, and all of a sudden. I do, I'm, yeah, I, I, don't I, think, I just for some reason thought I maybe think they I did get that. a, right.
4: they might have had a visit this week from a, a, a quarter, like a, a high school guy. What about KJ right. Jefferson? Where is he? He's not in the portal yet. Okay, he's All not right. in the portal yet, and I'm starting to wonder if he's not going to go in the portal if he's just going to go pro. But.
5: Lester Lee, Mississippi State got a high school quarterback. Paul, Lee. he was a four star and former Oregon commit. There, there we, we go. go. That's All who right. they got. Thank yeah, you very that's
4: much that's that. what you're, uh that's what you were thinking about. But yeah, I mean, there's the guy from Holy Cross, Matthew Sluka. I think is interesting for some teams. Um, you know, he put up some big numbers and at a at a lower level, but again, like that's not what. Uh, if you're Dave Aranda, you you're, you probably don't want to go all in on a guy who's a, a, an FCS quarterback, you know, and bring him in, and then Sawyer Robertson wins out anyway, and then what have you done, right? And so I, I think you well, want somebody that you think – and he may, maybe he doesn't, but
7: – I mean, I, yeah, I get your point, but –
4: you got to take what you can get.
7: Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what guaranteed starter they're going to go get out of the portal yeah. at this point. Uh, I mean, I guess Daquan Finn would apply. I also think we're kind of going to probably end up overrating him just simply because he's the guy they've locked in on. And yeah. we're going to treat it like, oh, it's Daquan Finn. Oh, like, my Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay, is he going to beat out Sawyer Robertson? I mean, probably. But, um, I mean, they're not going to land a big fish unless you consider him a big fish with, with his experience. I mean, maybe you do. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just... I'm a banking on they're probably going to get him. Uh, that's where all signs are pointed. And if they don't, then, yeah, they're going to be in a little bit of a lurch. But, I mean, there's guys out there. It's just not the the super big-name guys that we're uh, kind of focused well, and locked in on. I mean, the Grayson McCalls have committed elsewhere. I mean, even your Brock Vandegrift have committed. Uh, everybody else seems to who hasn't seems to have a couple teams they're down to. Has so- McCord yet? No, uh, no, because we're just talking about Nebraska. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that Baylor's in the Kyle McCord sweepstakes. You no, know?
5: I don't. I'm just saying that. I just he. Has it's kind of like with
7: Malik Murphy. Like, I know your thoughts are like, yeah, you at least pursue it. But do I think there's really any legitimate chance of that? Absolutely not. I think that if you're leaving Texas, you're going big game hunting. With all due respect to uh, to the Bears there, unless they've just got some NIL pot waiting for him. That's just. You know, outrageous. undeniable, yeah. and you can't pass it up.
5: By the way, somebody asked about why we couldn't get more from uh, a Max on Texas Tech. We'll have Chris Level today, just after 5 o'clock, to go deeper into what they've done so far. And the transfer portal is still open, am I correct? Because yeah. Malik Murphy did that. Maybe there's a surprise or two name that we don't even know that's on the radar that will be in the next couple of three or four days. So there we are with that, thanks to Max Olson. Uh, Paxton asking us about our Christmas break. We'll get into that at some point next week. When we come back, Taylor McCarg on the quarterbacks, those who have gone somewhere else, those who are still available, maybe if he's seen DeQuan Finn, I don't know, we'll ask him about that and more. And this is 365 Sports.
7: Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for Uh, Great deal and uh, great pricing and great customer service. Uh, this time of year, any time of year, but with it being Christmas, they are doing everything in their powers to make a car buying experience as easy on you and your family as uh, you could possibly want. You just want to get into a car that you feel good about, especially if you're traveling across the country, and you want your family to feel safe, and you want to feel safe behind the wheel. Uh, so they're a family dealership, and Christmas is a very special time at Richard Car Motors. Time with family and friends uh, is precious, and they know that getting your family safely to wherever you're going is, A priority. So whether you need a new SUV to travel in with your family or service on your existing car or truck, they are here to give you the best deals and the best service during the holidays, which includes the power and strength and stunning interior of GMC Sierra, a truck that has it all and they have dozens in stock ready to go right now. You can save thousands in holiday savings on cars and trucks, including the GMC Sierra and qualified buyers can save $8,000 on the Sierra twin turbo elevation model. Also, military and first responders can get an additional $500 on top of that. So just check with the good folks over at Richard Carr on more details when it comes to the GMC Sierra and their various holiday savings. But if you're not looking to get into a brand-new vehicle, there are also the trades. And Richard Carr does trade for the best, so there is a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks in stock right now. Over 90 used cars and trucks to choose from, all inspected with a 172-point inspection and the Richard Carr seal of approval, the financing goal at Richard Carr, always 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. So check out the GMC Sierras, or check out their great selection of pre-owned models as well. For 24 years in Central Texas, they built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs. Richard Carr, run by proud Central Texas, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcarr.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit.
5: Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com in White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler in East Texas. Aged Wagyu beef and so much more you have on your ranch. And what is next?
0: We are planning another auction January 30th. This auction will be an in-person, online, also a live auction like we did the first time. When you come out to the ranch, dinner is going to be provided. It'll um, be a variety of steaks, hamburger, sausage, tri-tip, brisket, roast, all of the different Wagyu cuts. It's going to be on a Tuesday. It's on January 30th, and it'll kind of be your get ready for Valentine's Dinner auction. We of
5: course have a great relationship, partnership with what you do. How has the reaction been as your name and what you guys do at TexasBeehouse.com grown?
0: It has grown a lot over this last year. I kind of made a joke at the beginning of 2023 and told my husband, 2023 is gonna be our year. I don't know how it how what we're gonna do, but something with 2023 it's gonna be our year. And we started our auction. So so many things have changed for us this year, which has been for the better so we just want to tell all of our customers merry christmas happy new year and thank you so much for your continued support in the year of 2023 and we hope that you return to us in 2024
5: and they will repeat customers because the product is amazing aged wagyu beef texas beef House.com.
1: this is 365 sports powered by sikkim 365.com
3: The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozers Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in house.
1: Now, here's David Smoke,
5: Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Taylor McCarg, ESPN, former Rice quarterback with us on 365 Sports. Taylor, we've been discussing the quarterback, the transfer portal, quarterbacks, the transfer portal, some who have made the decision, some who are still around. Is there one or two particular decisions involved that maybe intrigue you the most?
2: Yeah, I think everything started to me really when Kyle McCord stepped into the portal voluntarily, right? Well, it's all voluntary, but you have to wonder behind the scenes, that's a top five quarterback job, right? And, it was curious to me, the timing. I mean, it was almost immediately when the portal opened and it felt like a job that what's going on behind the scenes. What's the messaging to him where, you know, is he being told, Hey, we're going to go test the portal. We may bring somebody else in. And I expected that he would have landed already. I thought, you know, it looked like he was going to settle on Nebraska. That's still open. And then to me, that's also tied to uh, what happens with Cam Ward leaving Washington state, taking visits, to Florida State taking a visit to Miami but if, if Cam Ward doesn't go to Ohio State then what is Ohio State going to do in the portal is are they going to take anybody at all are they going to wait through this round of the portal and wait until the spring uh, that's kind of at the highest level what I think is is pretty interesting uh, there's been some others Grayson McCall is a group of five guy that I thought uh, yeah I was just interested he had been he had meant so much to Coastal Carolina he lands at North Carolina State. I thought that was one that was interesting to me as well. But there are so many guys that are still in the portal right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it takes out.
4: How do you feel about Malik Murphy and, and, and what kind of spot he should land
2: in? Yeah, I think um, he is a guy that had bright spots at the highest level. And then he also had some really terrible turnovers. And I think, uh, to me, he makes a lot of sense at a still obviously at the power five level, I, I've seen some projections of a group of five spots for him. I don't think that makes any sense at all. He is a power five and I think a major power five uh, type of quarterback. I don't think he's going to go to one of the premier schools, right? I don't think he's going to go to a comp of Texas, a la and Ohio state, or you know, we've obviously seen uh, Notre Dame settle on their quarterback, with Riley Leonard. But I do think you'll see him land potentially West coast. We've seen, uh, USC that's been thrown out. I think that could potentially make sense. But the biggest thing to me it just goes back to is, is there a staff that feels like, okay, we're going to give this kid a ton of money because that's what he's, he, he's going to go for quite a bit in the portal. And can you get the best out of him? Cause you saw those flashes at Texas at his best. He is a, a high level college quarterback with a potential to be an NFL guy. But at the, the worst that he showed this season you see some of those turnovers you wonder you know is this even going to be our starter moving forward Uh, and and that's the risk right and that's the the challenge in the nil game is you're, you're taking a risk on a guy where you have to pay him up front and you've got boosters that if they invest in a kid and then it doesn't pan out they're looking at you at the end of the season saying you know what happened with this guy that you asked us to shell out x amount of cash for and, uh, and then you it's roster management year over year. It's going to start back over at the end of next season. Taylor, any
7: ideas on what to do with the calendar, especially with an expanded playoff moving forward with just four teams? Malik Murphy feels the need to go ahead and jump in the portal and not be a part of that Texas playoff run. But, I mean, with more games on the horizon for some teams next year, what do you do about this if you're college football, the the calendar and the logjam that's now been created?
2: Yeah, I – the problem is eligibility for the spring semester, right? That is the issue and why they have to have it open right now. I saw, I loved the clip from Pat McAfee on college game day where he was like, you know, they should just push this back. And everybody on set challenged him immediately. and was like, well, it's, it's not that easy. You can't just push this thing back. You've got kids that they still have to go to school, right? That's still a part of the, right. uh, the calculus that you have to factor in <laughs> right now. They're not just semi-pro football players. And I know at the highest level it feels that way to to fans, but these kids still, when they transfer, they have to, when they submit to go into the portal, they are doing that through the athletic, uh, through their counselors and through the athletic office to go in and say, okay, here, I still have X amount of eligibility left. These are my hours of transfer. This is where I can go. It's not as simple as, okay, I'm just going to go into the portal and I can do it whenever I want. They still have to be eligible. I think that's the piece with the NCAA and the clearinghouse they've got to figure out a way to sort through because you know, really where I think it damages the sport is in the bowl games. And it's part of why you've seen the, a lot of these kind of be rendered obsolete where you've got some programs, Ohio state, I think it's up to 26 guys they have in the portal right now, their bowl game in the cotton bowl against Missouri. that That's a bowl game that means a lot to Missouri. And on the other side, you've got a, you know, almost a quarter of the scholarship roster that's not there or over a quarter of the scholarship roster. That's not playing in that game. And so, that, to me, is the worst part. Right now you're, you're watering down the bowl games and you're making it to where only the playoff games matter. And even in the playoff games, you've got guys that are still important. Malik Murphy, if something happens to Quinn Ewers, that's a big piece to the Texas equation, and he's not going to be there.
5: Taylor, Daquan Finn from Toledo is visiting Baylor. Uh, obviously a dual threat guy, played G5 in the MAC, which has produced some really good quarterbacks. Do you know much about him at all?
2: Yeah, unbelievable athlete and a guy that is a, a power five athlete. He is not going to be a guy that you ask to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. That's not his game, but he absolutely is a guy that you can move around, uh, try and get him on the, get him to the outside, uh, have design quarterback uh, sprint out game, play action, and then a lot of design quarterback run game because he is uh, so versatile when he has the ball in his hands. The only piece that I worry about a little bit of a slight frame. He's not real. He's not a heavy guy. Uh, and so, if you run him consistently in the Big Twelve, you know, getting the collisions in the MAC is going to be a little bit different from the MAC to the Big Twelve. All that to say, he absolutely belongs at the Power Five level. I think Baylor fans—that's a, a guy that if you get him, you should be excited about because even if he doesn't pan out as the starter, that is a guy that is athletic enough that you would find a spot for him on the field somewhere.
4: Okay, if you're Cam Ward and you are the most sought-after quarterback in the portal and you're going to get your money most of the places you'd want to commit, I mean, there might be some places that back off because they don't have that dollar figure. Are you going to go to a place that is going to make you the best for the NFL more than likely or is money first?
2: I don't think money needs to be first, uh, because it's going to be comparable to everywhere that he's looking at. It's going to be within a certain range. To me, I would go to a place that already has the roster, already has the roster in a place where you feel confident that, that you're going to win right now, that you're not going to have to go in and be the savior. Uh, and so I'm, I'm leading this to the school that I would go to if I'm Cam Ward is Florida State, where the roster is already in place where clearly they can compete for what should have been a college football playoff spot, but wasn't. Um, and that they've proven, okay, you can have success at the quarterback spot in their offense. And then from there, he's an NFL talent. He's, he's got an NFL arm. It's just now about uh, honing that in, having one more season of good tape, and then you take it to the next level. Uh, Miami has too many holes right now. I, I think uh, they're a, a good Power 5 team. They are not a playoff-caliber team, but Florida State is. And I think if, if he drops in, there's still enough talent around him that – you take the money that they offer, go try to compete for a national championship, and then you're still in a great spot for the NFL draft. Taylor, what did you think of
7: Jeff Levy going to Blake Chapin as uh, the Mississippi State uh, era gets started with uh, Levy as head coach?
2: Yeah, it felt like uh, maybe that's not the only quarterback they take, honestly, to me. Um, Blake Shapen uh, to me... Um, Good college player, not an answer to your problems. And Mississippi State has a number of them. There's, there's roster issues all over the place. But it, that felt to me like it wouldn't shock me if you saw them take one more in the portal in the spring. Uh, all that being said, Mississippi State issues go far beyond the quarterback spot for, for that roster right now. Taylor, thank you. Great for the knowledge.
5: Appreciate the fact you uh, were able to let us know a lot about the players who have already decided on where they're going or those still with decisions to make. And a little bit of an interesting note on uh, Finn, Uh, he likes him a lot. He was very Mm – like. uh, and I asked him in a text message earlier, had he seen him play, we saw or heard what Taylor McCart thinks about Daquan Finn, who's on, again, a visit to Baylor.
4: Yeah, that would I think that would be a boon uh, for Baylor to get that to get that done and, and put somebody who's so athletic into Jake Spavital's offense and, and open some other things up uh, for you. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious to see where it all all ends out. And of course, I I support fully his opinion on Cam Ward.
7: Yeah, I mean Cam Ward. Uh, if- you know, he goes to Florida State. I think that'd be huge for, for both sides. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of smoke there, though, does it? It seems like DJU seems to be their he, guy.
4: I mean, he's they're both there this weekend, so which right. is weird. Um, I will say this about Mike Norvell. When... If there's a portal guy that leaves and doesn't commit there, that's pretty rare. So if if he's been good at closing those deals, the only one I can think, the big one that they didn't get was Amarius Mims, who went up going back to Georgia. But since that point, like, you know, if you especially look at the roster right now, Keon Coleman, Braden Fisk, like all those guys came onto campus, you know, after last season and 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 stayed. You know, so that that was We'll see. I think DJU is obviously the second choice. I think DJU probably even knows that uh, a, a little bit because if he was the first choice, maybe the Cam Ward wouldn't even be there. But um, And he's going to have choices elsewhere. So it, it's not they're all so in, DJ. Yeah, he's yeah, going yeah, to have choices. Board, so yeah, he's going to have choices. So it's not going to be the biggest deal. So they're, they're going to win either way on this. It just depends on, you. Know, do you get a guy who... To me, Cam Ward, surefire NFL guy, DJU maybe NFL guy. You know, he's he's got he's got some skill set, but it hasn't looked maybe like some of that. So we'll we'll see. But I, I yeah, I think you know we'll, we'll fight Cam Ward's only taken one visits to Miami. So um, you know, so I don't know if he's going to take another one after this. Like Max said before, there's not a lot of a big window to keep doing official visits. Right. So.
7: Yeah, it just seems like signs point to Miami. That could be just because he visited there already, and that's why that's the only vibe that people are getting. But clearly, if he's visiting Tallahassee, he's open to options, and you'd be stupid to not have uh, your options open if you're Cam Ward and you stand to make a, a mint in this uh, portal uh, situation. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see where he goes. A Texas guy and a great story coming up from Incarnate Word, and really mm. being a, again a picture of a. Uh, you know, the way the transfer portal does benefit guys and, and how you can take players who've maybe started off at smaller schools for one reason or another, overlooked, what have you, and end up on a stage like Miami or Florida State mm-hmm. playing, you know, big-time higher level college football. So I think he's a great example of how the transfer portal can work and also of how it can be life changing, probably money for your family because I think that he's in that mix and that conversation clearly when it comes to guys that stand to make a good bit of money this off season. So yeah, um, good for him and, Excited to see how those dominoes fall in Tallahassee this weekend.
5: All right, I'm getting ready to leave because I have to do an MC of a banquet, a football banquet. Craig will have off-the-radar Chris Level on Texas Tech just after 5 o'clock. Mickey Spagnola, Cowboys, and their game coming up uh, against Buffalo on the road. And with the way that Josh Allen throws picks, perhaps they'll get two or three more. And then Paul's top five, this is 365 Sports. The city of Woodway, uh, if you have not yet done so, you have a couple of more days. Go to discoverwoodway.com for more information, and you can put a, um, a card in the mail in their mailbox where they are, the pavilion at the Carlene Bright Arboretum. Put a card in the mailbox, and Santa Claus will return the card for your kid or kids, or whoever puts it in there, so that's just another nice little touch of class for your young kid to get a letter, or maybe Paul would want that, a letter in the mail on Christmas Day. They have unbelievable facilities, the amenities of the Carling Bright Arboretum, uh, the pavilion, uh, the trails, hiking trails, running trails, what they're doing with their all-sport facility. It is a beautiful place to live in the city of Waco and, or just south of Waco, and seven hotels. If you are looking for a place to stay on a visit, tourism, or whatever it might be, they have hotels available for you.
3: It's discoverwoodway.com. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student athletes. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisory council Gxg is a program of startup waco a tax-exempt organization under internal Revenue code section 501c3 donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to Gxg contributions to support Nil activations through Gxg can be made at baylorbears.com gxg for more information follow at gxg underscore green X gold on social media and visit the official website website, www.gxg.startupwaco.com.
5: Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA approved weight management medication once a week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide. Affordable, highly effective, good Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com.
1: this is craig smokes off the radar presented by alliance bank they take pride in making banking easy alliancebank texas.com
7: all right welcome into off the radar here on 365 sports which means that it's a tuesday or a thursday it's a thursday obviously in this case around 4 45 take a look at a grab bag of stories that are going on around not just college football but around the sports world and I won't reinforce really all that's happened today because we've covered it pretty extensively of uh, the decisions and whatnot being made around college football and the transfer portal Um, but did want to make mention again earlier I don't think this came as a huge surprise Paul but Jalen Milrow did announce he'll be back for another year I don't think that that you know, I I don't know that I was even debating whether or not he would be back for another year, no, but I, hey, after the run that you've had, I suppose it's it's good to go ahead and, and make it public there. So he will be coming back for his senior year. But uh, what a story he has uh, turned into from that Texas loss and kind of what was being said to SEC champs beating Georgia, the un- the, the unbeatable right, and now. I mean, for all we know, could win a national championship here in the next few weeks. Uh, But he will uh, be coming back. He made that official on the next round show. And uh, his father also talked to ESPN and said that he's just uh, focused on finishing out this year. But he wants to return to Alabama for his senior season. He'll graduate on Saturday with a uh, degree in business administration and a minor in entrepreneurship. So, young uh, man from Texas doing some good things and um, made that official today.
4: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Like, if, if he were going to, like, jump into the transfer portal, like, that would be <laughs> yeah. the most shocking thing in the world. Like, even Alabama man. can't keep their guy right. who helped him win all these games. I, I'll tell you this, Craig. This is the co- comparison I'll make to Jalen Milrow, and he might be just on the fact that they can – uh, there's there's not just one bowl game he's going to play in now, uh, because he's in the college football playoff. But it reminds me a lot of Vince Young the first Rose Bowl year, where, you know, you watch Vince Young play that year before, like you'd be like, man, this guy's an athlete, but he just doesn't know what he's doing. Right? He just looked all over the place before
7: and, they played Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, before mean. they yeah, Michigan the yeah. first
4: yeah before they they played Michigan. So, but in the middle of that year. Mac Brown decided, like, hey, why are we trying to like overcoach this guy? Like, let's just go out and like call plays that he can do, and then live with that, and then let him be a superior athlete. And where Vince Young was the most dangerous, especially early on in that career, was when he was making it up right and 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 he was always dangerous that way but when it broke down and he had to make it up that's where Jalen Milrow is right now where yeah he's dangerous doing a lot of things that they call but when you think you've got him dead to rights and I'll just point to that Auburn game of the three worst plays you can run before a fourth down at the end of a game happened, including one of the dumbest things a quarterback can ever do and throw the ball. He was three yards past the line. And you've got a fourth and 31, and then he just made that happen. Like, that's the kind of groove he's in where even when it's going bad, like, it can still be great. Mm-hmm.
7: yeah i mean he's a he's definitely a guy with more improvement uh in store i think another year um it'll be fun to see where you know he he ends up falling but has a chance to really make some incredible history i mean to think about going from that Texas game to possibly winning a national title uh which is you know on the cards or uh you know, still in the cards for him is uh, is going to be pretty, um, you know, it's going to be pretty cool. But it's already been pretty cool to see what he's been able to do thus far. Meanwhile, there's, you know, still – swirlings about what could happen you know in, in realignment moving forward uh, with the ACC they're kind of the ones that seem to be on the clock right now in terms of Florida state's unhappiness after the college football playoff snub and man we can go undefeated in this league but we can't make it i still don't know how that's the SEC's fault that's more the committee bending yeah. that than it's the ACC's yeah. a culprit for the committee's decision, but when you're mad at the conference, it's kind of like when Texas and Oklahoma started blaming the Big 12 for every shortfall that they had. Yeah, that's kind of what is now happening with Florida State and perhaps others of like anything that goes wrong. It's the ACC's fault, but um, that's kind of what seems to be up next. There's also, however, still the um, the threads of of the Pac two and the Pac 12 and what all that's going to look like. And we've you know gone into a little bit of detail as far as the continuing court battle with Washington State, Oregon State, and the 10 former schools that are all going to be scattered over the uh, Big Ten and Big 12 uh, moving forward. But there was questions about, well, what are they going to do next season? What are Washington State and Oregon State going to do? There's questions about, you know, who are they going to play? And then we saw where, you know, Washington, Washington State uh, did announce that they were going to end up playing. And they were going to continue on with the Apple Cup. And so that was all great. But what about the rest of those games? And this Mountain West uh, merger, is that going to happen? Well, we now know the full-blown schedules for 2024 for Oregon State and Washington State. That came out today, and they will, in fact, both be playing their rivals as uh, you're going to get Oregon and Oregon State, and you're going to also, as we already knew, get Washington and Washington State. But one key part of uh, this schedule uh, for Washington State is that uh, Texas Tech was involved as they agreed to um, schedule a home-and-home series with Washington State and in doing so have rescheduled their expected a trip to Autzen Stadium to play Oregon next September. That was a game that was going to happen on September the 7th. It was going to be the second game or the second game of their home and home and uh, we saw how that played out in Lubbock with Oregon winning a really tight game, but because of all the shuffling around, that game will now take place in 2033. So yeah. Texas Tech supposed to go to Eugene next season will now not go to Eugene until 2033. So, what does the college football landscape you think look like here? I've seen a lot of unhappy Red Raider fans that feel like they got kind of the short end of the stick in all of this, um, and being cooperative because now, I mean, is what 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 does college football in twenty thirty three even look like? And there's also a lot of people that I would imagine that already bought plane tickets hoping to go yeah. to Eugene, Oregon next summer, and now you got ten years until they're actually going to play that game. Maybe just change it to to. Pullman, Washington. Change it to Pullman, Washington because they will now go to Washington State on September the 7th instead and uh, they will also host the Cougars. In the um, uh, the Mike Leach Classic. in In the Mike Leach Classic. They will host the Cougars in 2032. So they were scheduled to go to Oregon because of all the shuffling the schedules and trying to get all that right. They agreed to Uh, you know, help move things around, so they've bumped back that Oregon trip to 2033, and they will now go to Pullman, Washington to uh, help out the Cougars and fill out that schedule. And so, what does that look like? Well, for Washington State, they will open up with Portland State, and then we'll have Texas Tech. They will then have the Apple Cup with Washington in week three, and then there's where the Mountain West comes in. They will play San Jose State, they will travel to Oregon State, then they will Uh, play host to Utah State, Wyoming, and Hawaii, and have road games against San Diego State, Boise State, New Mexico, and Fresno State. And I saw somebody make this comment, and I made this comment a few weeks ago of like, what's the record for how many schools with state in their name has ever occurred on a schedule, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see that with Washington State, Oregon State uh, as a result of these 2024 schedules. But now we know the Mountain West Conference opponents, and thank you, Jack, for getting that up there. Now, you will see that Oregon State and Washington State are not included on that top row because they're not officially Mountain West Conference teams. But you will see the Beaver logo and the Cougar logo dotted throughout, and you can spot it there. Now, the dates are not official, but we now know four – 100% certainty, and we kind of already knew it anyways, that they were going to be playing a Mountain West schedule next season. So any thoughts of, like, they're jumping into with the Big 12? I mean, they've, they've moved nice. on along, and based on what we talked about yesterday and the information Smokey has, I think the Big 12 at this point is kind of just sitting back. And not so much looking west as they are very much looking east like everybody else is right now, and just kind of waiting to see what might happen out there and what an upcoming Florida State challenge, which he also talked about, Um, That's very much uh, seems to be coming down the pipeline, what that challenge of the grant of rights uh, here in the next perhaps few weeks could look like. Uh, And I think everybody in college football has got some interest level in this, but there you go, Washington State. I just told you their schedule for next season. I will get to Oregon State in a second. But what are your thoughts on on getting this uh, solidified here?
4: Uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's great for the Mountain West. Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm relieved for Washington State and Oregon State as they uh, as they now continue to to navigate the legal minefields of uh, which is going to get worse because they're withholding money. So that's gonna that's that's now yeah, probably going from. Can, can, yeah. Also, on the heels of this, uh, the Mountain West is working with them to join the basketball conference. to bring too. that so, up; yeah. that
7: also came out today. Uh, apparently, there's now the talks, and you were wondering, okay, well, if they're going to do this Mountain West agreement in uh, football, what about all of the other sports that are going on? What is that going to possibly look like? And there was a report, and I want to make sure that I get the right person for that. I think uh, it's John Rothstein. Yeah, uh, that uh, he. I think probably among others at this point um saying that they are working on a basketball schedule for 24-25 so that is now underway and uh Let's see here. Yeah, it was John Rothstein. I want to make sure we got that uh, from CBS Sports in discussions to join the league for the 24-25 college basketball season. But it is interesting that it's all just for next year, right? Like, they're kind of mm-hmm. just taking this piece by piece. And, again, I think that that probably has a lot to do with just nobody really knowing what to expect beyond next season. I mean, how the heck could you be in the prediction game much without just saying something obvious like, well um, – the SEC will be strong in the next few years or the Big Ten will be strong. We kinda know all of that, but beyond that, uh, if you're not amongst those schools and even they have some questions, uh it's it's hard to know what to plan for beyond uh, twenty well, twenty four.
4: I would say that they're also looking east, right? right? So they're also thinking about where they can be, you know, when when that shakes so look the the ACC's already gone and added, you know, two schools out there. Mm-hmm. And if it gets to the point of where there's a, a another seismic shakeup, especially for that conference, Oregon State and Washington, feel the best about their credentials and maybe being able to join and help on a West Coast swing uh, sort of thing. Because right now the plan for the ACC is to play a lot of stuff in Dallas, uh, which will you know be great for hotels in Dallas, I guess, but yeah. um, and great for SMU. But it's it's still you know going to be kind of strange going forward. But yeah, I think. You know, ultimately, I think the best thing for Oregon State and Washington State is to be in the Mountain West, but, you know, if they could be back in a power conference, if the ACC would even be considered that, right? you know, like how, to, like, how do you even navigate Again, all that? we don't that? even know what we does known, it look like, like beyond the, a year. You know, the the next tier of, like, so the, the new subdivision that can happen, like what does that even look like?
7: Yeah, there's – Is that even going to happen? Like, I mean, we don't yeah. know that for sure because it's just a proposal by the NCAA yeah. and Charlie Baker just to try and cut some of this off at the pass and – A lot of people calling it out for being just that. And and so, yeah, I mean, there's just too much uncertainty to know really beyond what's right in front of you. And so, at least for right now, Oregon State, Washington State, they know what's coming up in football next year and now working on a basketball schedule with the Mountain West Conference as well. Now, as far as baseball and you know every other sport, I have no idea what's in store for them. But Texas Tech playing an, a role in agreeing to move the Oregon series back and adding Washington State. So heading to Pullman next summer will be Joey McGuire and the Red Raiders. And I mentioned Washington State, but meanwhile for Oregon State, uh, they will play uh, previously scheduled games, Idaho State, San Diego State. Oregon is back on now. Uh, they also play Purdue and Cal Uh, along with Washington State, and then they learned today that Colorado State, San Jose State, and UNLV will all play games in Corvallis, while Air Force, Boise State, and Nevada will be their road games from the Mountain West Conference. So uh, there you go. Oregon State and Washington State now know everything but the dates for next year's 2024 football schedule. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Major League Baseball. We didn't talk about this the other day. I... Had it on my list, and there was just too many things going on. But I should have said it on Tuesday because now it feels a little bit dated, but who cares? Shohei Otani to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, there's, uh, It's very interesting. As soon as I came down, there was all these – articles that I was reading or a couple of articles I was reading about like, well, it's not as much money as you think it is, or it's not as much as he could have gotten elsewhere. This he's going to make gobs and gobs and gobs of money. And he's going to be playing uh, not too far from where he started his major league baseball career going Anaheim to Los Angeles. Uh, couldn't, Couldn't do much shorter of a trip as far as moving around goes. So, what are your thoughts on Otani and the Uh, LA Dodgers? The deferral thing is the the
4: most mind boggling, very
7: confusing. All the contract particulars. Yes. Well, I mean,
4: just my question is, and look, the Dodgers obviously feel great about their financial future in that for a decade after he plays for you, because I don't think in twenty thirty four. Otani's going to be playing
7: anymore. I don't think so, yeah. I
4: mean, if he does, he's going to be on a, a series of one-year deals. Right. And He's not pitching at yeah, that point. Yeah, he's not point. pitching yeah. at that point. Like, there's, there's, it. you know, it, it, he would be on a farewell tour. So, in 2034, you're going to lay out $68 million a year, which you might be doing for other players at that point anyway. But $68 million a year for a guy who's gone, um, that that's going to be wild. But... Uh, Look, this is a lineup in the top three. Like, the top three of the lineup is the best you can possibly imagine in Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and now Shohei Otani. So those are three guys who could be MVPs at any given year. Mm -hmm. Three guys who could. Uh, Mookie would have probably been the MVP this year uh, if not for Otani. Right, or he, he could have been, like, in Seager, I guess, uh, Corey Seager. But, I say, though, put yeah, some yeah. respect so on so his yeah, name. Corey Seager. So you've got, you know, guys who are MVPs right up there, and then, you know, he's now, because he's only making $2 million a year, gonna, you're going to be able to go out and get somebody else that's going to make, you know, big, big money, maybe a couple guys. Um, they've got $68 million to play with now, because they've got Otani on their roster for $2 million a year yeah uh, it's it, and he's gonna make here's the other thing people go like if you think about it he's gonna make twenty million dollars a year from new balance he's gonna make twenty million dollars a year do like who knows how much money he makes in Japan anyway endorsing things sure, like who knows how much he makes in Japan and will now make even more so uh in Japan because the story's gotten that much bigger, so
7: yeah he's whew. There's there's a lot of particular I mean like the way the money's offset and the way it's moved around is it's got a lot of people scratching their heads of like how is this allowed you know how is this fallen It's under- in the CBA. It's under the CBA, so I mean it's it, it was it was doable but 700 million dollars, a 10 year 700 million dollar contract uh what he agreed to. There's also a clause in there that if uh uh, two of the uh, executives, uh, Mark Walter and Andrew Friedman, are no longer with the team. Uh, and he—it's actually okay, Tommy, because he was being introduced today. Um, but apparently, uh, there's a clause in there that he could terminate his deal if those guys are not with the organization at some point, which is a very interesting clause. So clearly they played a big role in his decision-making that you would put that in there. But yeah, 97% of the money deferred without interest and not paid fully until 2043. That just doesn't seem like it should be allowed because you could could shift it and, and play around with the money for, for the years. Right now, that actually matter. But yes, 10 years, $700 million. Otani is a Dodger. And uh, I wanted to roll back around to that because uh, I meant to to bring that up just the other day. Uh, Just a couple more notes here. Meanwhile, uh, the NFL has announced that uh, they will be going back to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl in February of 2027. They will be returning to SoFi Stadium for Super Bowl 61 out there in Inglewood, California. So the Chargers and Rams as dual hosts. That sets up the next four years of Super Bowls. Uh, We already knew Las Vegas this upcoming February. Next year, they'll be back in New Orleans for Super Bowl 59 and then Super Bowl 60 which, man, that makes me feel really old. Starting to get into to crazy Roman numeral territory here and having to learn some new, uh, some new Roman numerals. But Santa Clara, Super Bowl 60, and now Inglewood, California, Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium for Super Bowl 61. That was the one announced today. So that is your four future Super Bowl sites.
4: I can't wait till it comes back to Dallas in 2050.
7: Dude, yeah. they hosted with this great stadium and never hosted again. They had Snowpocalypse. Well, yeah. And then... It just and the seat apocalypse. The seat apocalypse. I guess yeah. Seatgate. Yeah. <laughs> Wintergate. Whatever. um That's bizarre, dude. I mean, really, like the fact that it's been so long now that you probably don't even really think about it too much. But they had one Super Bowl at Jerry's. They've had everything there, everything ten times over, every concert imaginable, award shows championship games, college football, and they've had that one basketball. Super Bowl. Yeah, basketball, March Madness. They've had that one Super Bowl. They had terrible weather. They had the seeding fiasco, and they are not, I mean, are they ever going to get it back again? Not for the next four years. Yeah, and, and part, of it, part of it was also like, it wasn't, well, we were trapped. So yeah, we didn't get to was, go anywhere, but
4: Dallas has to do a better job. The city has to do a better job of its they this the North Texas Super Bowl. Man, that's a big it's area. It's too spread out, It's yeah. too spread out. We're like this is in Fort Worth, this is like like when if you've not been here and you hear Dallas Fort Worth, well Fort Worth is 30 minutes away if you're in a, an easy part to get to it from Dallas. And there's it's,
7: multiple cities with yeah, hundreds the, of thousands of their own <laughs> residents all sandwiched in between all over. Yeah, yeah. so
4: it's not like you know yeah it's dallas fort worth you've got to go through seven other places to get there right like yeah it's not it's not this it's you
7: know i wasn't even thinking about that but you're absolutely that's crazy that they still have not and there's not even on the docket to get another super bowl yeah. since that since that first one that's absolutely crazy but all right i'll wrap it up with this uh so i told you uh, los angeles uh now the hot, uh, now the host for uh the uh, Super Bowl in February of 2027. Uh, but meanwhile, tonight, uh, you will have some NFL action. Chargers at the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders will be without Josh Jacobs, and fresh off that 3 nothing loss to the Minnesota Vikings, which was a bizarre uh, finish for any type of a football game, much less an NFL game, to finish 3-0. to nothing. Uh, But the Raiders and Chargers... In a uh, battle of, I guess, L.A. versus Las Vegas, I have to remember where they all are now. Yeah. Uh, that'll be coming up later tonight on that Amazon Prime game, and um, I don't know that'll that'll be okay, I suppose. Well, when
4: you've got Aiden O'Connell versus Easton Stick, it's not, <laughs> right? It's not. Uh...
7: They've, they've had a big issue in the league with quarterback injuries. You yeah. know, you wonder why they're so overprotective as it is, and then you look at a year like this year where even with all the rules they put in place, like, I mean, half the league's playing with backup quarterbacks at this point. At least yeah. it seems yeah. that way. But, yeah, not the sexiest matchup in the world, but Chargers-Raiders are – Uh, AFC West contest that's coming up on Amazon later tonight. And uh, there's a few things off the radar. Yeah,
4: Chris Level comes up next. By the way, real quick, uh, Pete Dammel reports that so far, Georgia, South Carolina, USC, Syracuse, Baylor, Oregon State, and Duke have expressed interest in Malik Murphy. So... Um, I expect so. Two, two places that he would go and five that he would not. But. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. But let's let's be real about where Malik Murphy's going to probably wind up. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe. You never know. Um, it's 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 a different world now. When we come back, Chris Level, RedRaidersports.com uh, joins us.
6: It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle. We move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Bring in the new year with unbeatable savings on the new 2023 Ram Trucks during the wrap-up the year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Take advantage of this limited-time opportunity and start the new year in style. Shop our great selection in-store or online today.
5: Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com in White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler in East Texas. Aged Wagyu beef and so much more you have on your ranch. And what is next?
0: We are planning another auction January 30th. This auction will be an in-person, online, also a live auction like we did the first time. When you come out to the ranch, dinner is going to be provided. It'll um, be a variety of steaks hamburger sausage tri-tip brisket roast all of the different Wagyu cuts it's going to be on a Tuesday it's on January 30th and it'll kind of be your get ready for Valentine's dinner auction
5: we of course have a great relationship partnership with what you do how has the reaction been as your name and what you guys do at TexasBeefHouse.com grown
0: it has grown a lot over this last year I kind of made a joke at the beginning of 2023 and told my husband 2023 is going to be our year I don't know how it how what we're going to do but something with 2023 is going to be our year. And we started our auction. So, so many things have changed for us this year, which has been for the better. So, we just want to tell all of our customers, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and thank you so much for your continued support in the year of 2023. And we hope that you return to us in 2024.
5: And they will repeat customers because the product is amazing. Aged Wagyu Beef, Texas com.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
3: The five o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones Investments and financial advisor Chuck Verno. who will navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing.
1: Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke.
4: Chris Level, Red Raider Sports. Dot com joins us now and Chris the, the Red Raiders uh, getting ready for the Independence Bowl in Shreveport on Saturday and uh, obviously you know bowl games back-to-back years is, is great it's huge but this was a year that you know was disappointing and they thought that they were going to contend for the big 12 title but given like the fact that Joe McGuire never lets anything get him down. Um, what is the vibe around the program around the Independence Bowl as they get ready for that game?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, th- th- this this has been a program that over the last you know decade ish uh, had really struggled and just not been very good uh, for various parts and. So I think three bowl games in a row, I mean, Joey was obviously, he had t- taken over before the Liberty Bowl a, a couple of years ago, didn't coach that game, but uh, he had the job in Sonny coming coached that one. So I think that, you know, that, look, there, it, it wasn't the year that they wanted. You know, I think, you know, they, they weren't picked to win the Big 12. They weren't even ranked in the preseason top 25. And they were a lot of people's dark horse and all those things, but, you know, quarterback injuries and just inconsistency and turnovers and all those things, you know, it just, uh, it it didn't end up uh, being the the year that they wanted. But, you know, what, what, you know, you're right. What Joey's going to point to is like, hey, we had back-to-back winning conference records for the first time since 2008 and 9, and he's responsible for both of those. And, uh, you know, they were, they were fortunate to make it to a bowl game because they had to you're at one and three and three and five, uh, at, at one point in the year. Um, and, and you, you know, won enough to, to, to extend your season. So, um, you know, but you don't want to be playing in football games and uh, before Christmas, that's not what anybody, uh, what their goals are for, but yeah, you want to make the most of it. And, you know, one of these teams on Saturday night is going to be six and seven and the other one is going to be seven and six. And that, uh, that's not, you know, you don't, you don't want to end the year with a losing record, obviously. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get. I'm, I'm fascinated by this game for a variety of reasons, though. It's two really, really good running backs. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously Taj Brooks has decided he's going to come back, uh, next year. And then for Cal, Jay Knott, I mean, he's, uh, he's got, he's about a 1300 yard rusher and Tech, I think is going to end up seeing probably the two top running backs in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, this year individually, they saw Bucky Irving uh, in, in Oregon earlier this year, and he's already declared for the draft. And then Jade Nott, uh, and so, and then the other thing I'm fascinated by is the is the in helmet communication that they're going to use in these bowl games. Uh, so the coordinators can talk to their quarterback or their their linebackers and safeties if you're on the defensive side. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Uh, it's something that we have never seen before. So uh, interested to see kind of how that goes.
7: Chris uh, was the Taj Brooks decision surprising did people expect him to go off to the NFL especially given the, the life of a running back these days or was there a hunch that he could be back for another run
2: yeah, well yeah pun intended right yeah. for another run or, or, or maybe many right, <laughs> um, yeah. you know a, a month ago I would have i would have just i thought he's he's just gone you know he's, he, it, it just you're, he's going to go to the uh, try, try to take his chance to the NFL what I'm gathering is that I think it changed about two or three weeks ago as the regular season wound down, and I think he got some feedback from the NFL. Look, T- Taj, for all that he is, what he's not is he doesn't have elite speed. He just doesn't, and and I think ha- if he did have it, he's out of there, you know. But I I think I think what he wants to try to do is is try to be the all time leading rusher and. Obviously, with with NIL being what it is, you you have the ability to, to earn some money while you're you know while you're still in college and and he didn't want to gamble you know he didn't want to chance it uh, because I think that the feedback was you know mid to late round or undrafted free agent and that's that's uh, well surely he's going to get drafted well you just don't know that and so you know what what he is good at though is that he's good at breaking tackles he's good at getting north south he doesn't take negative plays he's he's elite at, at picking up the blitz. There's a place for him in the NFL, but I think he wanted to, you know, go with the guarantee of, okay, I'm going to be the starter here. I uh, have the opportunity to, to better my situation. I can maybe, you know, try to get a little faster and work on that specifically uh, in the next year, um, you know, and all those things. And so I, I guess it, 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 but it, it all equals a, a good situation for Texas Tech because he's not only a great player, he's just a guy that you want your younger players looking at going, this is how you're supposed to operate, you know, on a daily basis, uh, away from the field, in class, in the locker room, all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's a culture, uh, you know, win as much as it is uh, the, the player that he is. And he's, I mean, you know, he's going to have to, I think, what, 1,200 yards or so next year. And he'll be the all-time leading rusher here, which is quite a statement. When you look at all the Doak Walker award winners they had here with, Ben Morris and Byron Hanspar and Ricky Williams and all those guys that they had uh, when Spike Bax was coaching here.
4: Chris, they have been uh, kind of dominating the portal cycle as far as, as far as volume. And I mean, all over the map, too. I mean, you're talking about Toledo, Memphis, Arizona State, Florida, <laughs> Fairmont State, uh, Guelph, which is in Canada. I don't even know if I even said it right, uh, but they are Joe McGuire and, and, his, and his team are, are loading up on guys. Some of them bringing home like Jalen Conyers, really I- intriguing. Uh, what is who is the most intriguing transfer or what is the most intriguing part of the focus of the portal been for you uh, this first what week
2: and a half? Yeah, this, this stuff is just, I, I don't know whether it's fascinating or whether it's maddening or See. whether it's both. I don't know. It, it's wild to me. I mean, it is. And those of us that are in it and you're trying to learn your team and then you learn it and then it just absolutely totally changes. Um, and you're trying to learn all these new guys and they're, they're, they're not here very long and it's just wild to me. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they 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 had some guys hop in the portal, and so Joey's always since he's gotten here, he's like, I'm going to build this thing through the high school ranks. However, we're going to use this portal, and we're going to you know we're going to use it, uh, you know, and so kind of one out, one in kind of deal from a portal standpoint. So you have a bunch of guys that you know weren't really playing and want to play more, you know, and so here it's like, okay, well, you know, let, let's uh, game on, let, let's let's try to fill this uh, fill these roster spots up and. I think for me, the, the offensive line is obviously was the is the primary focus. That's where Texas Tech has got to get better. Uh, you build it through the high school ranks. Well, you don't want to turn the offensive line over to a bunch of freshmen and redshirt freshmen. You're trying to stopgap it, and you're trying to bridge the gap, however you want to phrase that, and trying to grow those kids up. But in the meanwhile, you need – you know, you need immediate help, and I think what uh, what I've learned and what I'm seeing, and I think we we've, we've seen what Matt Rule said about what quarterbacks are worth out there on the open market, and you know, you, there's a lot of rumors about what Dion's doing with offensive linemen and all that, but I think linemen are are hardest to get in the portal just because there's only so many good ones out there. There's only so many big people out there in the world that are good at at specific skills uh, like like blocking and and all that kind of stuff. So. It's been hard for them to, to fill that void a bit, but they did get a couple of, uh, additions in the last two days that are both probably their starting guards next year. One from Toledo and one from Memphis and, uh, uh, Vinny Scurry and then, uh, obviously Davion Carter. And so that was the focus. And then you know, they wanted, they wanted Jalen Conyers here when Matt Wells was the coach here. They, they tried to get him. They were the first to offer him. He's from right up the road in Groover. Uh, Texas and ended up going to Oklahoma, and then he ended up going to Arizona State. And he's back home, but yeah, he's the, he was a big time addition. Uh, they're they're going to lose one of their tight ends, Baylor Cup, and, um, and and he'll replace uh, Baylor Cup. But uh, yeah, he was highly sought after and all that. But yeah, it, it's been wild to try to follow this stuff, man. It really is because it's like you don't know who's on your roster. I mean, there, there's there's a few kids that are in the portal for Texas Tech that are going to still play in the bowl game. Mm. That's kind of an interesting dynamic as well. But the, the opt-outs uh, that you're seeing, I mean, it's just uh, this sport in December is just insanity right now. I don't know what they do to fix it, but it's all over the place.
7: Yeah, I think we all feel the same way. Like, we don't know how to feel, if it's good or it's bad, but we, we also don't know how to fix it. And, and good luck to whoever has to make those types of decisions because <laughs> yeah, where do right. you start? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. With um, uh, Micah Hudson uh, going ahead and, and – I guess putting pen to paper. I know it'll be officially announced. You know, next week along with regular signing day. I don't know how much you know nervousness there actually was, but just how monumental of a signing is that for for Joey and just this program to, to land a, a big fish at wide receiver and a top guy like Micah Hudson.
2: Well, it, it's you know they're they're on offense. They've been way too slow uh, here. they they, they lack uh, juice. They lack playmaking. Uh, you know, and, and so not only is it—it's it, it's, one—it's it, a—you know—the the perception of recruiting here changes when you get a guy like that. So that's one thing, and then two, like the the void that he fills, or or he adds something that you just don't have. That 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 is also because I mean, you, you guys are aware—he's a freak. I mean, yeah. he just—he does things that you can't really coach and teach and, and all those things. He just kind of has it. Um, and you hope that it translates to the next level. Um, and, and there's no guarantee that it will, but, um, I, I think that, you know, he, he'll, he'll be a player that, that really has an opportunity from day one here. They'll move him all over the place, play him in the slot, play him on the outside, hand it to him on jet sweeps. I mean, he's just a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands and see what he can do. But there's just not many times when the Red Raiders have been able to go head to head against like the, whether it's Texas or A&M for an in-state kid and legitimately just beat them, you know, and, you know, he, he kind of he, – he, he talked to Texas and talked to A&M. And there were some visits and things like that. But in the end, he's really, you know, been solidified with, with Texas Tech for, I would say, you know, four to six months. Um, you know, and there's – you know, and obviously everybody gets nervous when you're dealing with a top player like that. And then the next cycle is now going to begin. It's like, okay, now you get him here. Can you keep him here? Yeah. You know, that's – so it never stops. You know, can you keep him here? Can you keep him happy? Uh, but, yeah, you, you love the addition from what he adds from a perception standpoint, being able to recruit here, and then obviously what he can do as a player for sure.
7: All right, don't get to ask a lot of off-the-field questions necessarily because we're, we're not always privy to that, especially schools that are farther away, but I couldn't help but notice Tony Bradford Jr. is one of the three finalists for the Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year Award, which has to do with some on the field but also very much off the field. I, I've you know, read previously where he's big in community service, but can you just kind of, I guess, paint a bigger picture of Tony Bradford Jr. and his contributions there in Lubbock and at Texas Tech and, and why he's a guy that's up for an award like this?
2: Yeah, you know, and I appreciate you asking about that. You know, Tony's a guy, you know, this is the way the student athlete experience is supposed to work. I mean, he has, he has squeezed everything out of Texas Tech he possibly could have with his time here and, and Lubbock and everything. And I think Texas Tech has done everything they can do to squeeze everything out of Tony Bradford. It, it, it's been a beautiful existence since he showed up here, but you're talking about a kid, you know, Joey calls him the mayor, uh, just cause everybody knows him. He, he loves to, to, Get out and about, and he's a good player. He leads the team in sacks. He's just been a solid player in his time here. I don't know if he's necessarily an NFL caliber guy. He may he may give that a crack, but he could also be the next police chief, or he could be the next, you know, whatever. And that this is what he has his eyes on in the future. And you know, whenever Tony doesn't live in Lubbock anymore, Lubbock won't be as good of a place without Tony Bradford in it. That's the best thing I can say about him. But I mean, Thanksgiving, he's giving away, he's using. He's spending his own NIL money to give away turkeys to needy families. I mean, that's that's that pretty much sums up who Tony Bradford is. I mean, I'm doing an interview with him. He's telling me about it. And he's like, I saved up enough of my money to be able to do this. It's been a dream. And, and I'm just sitting there and you're almost like – I'm almost like choking up. Like, dude, th- th- you're, you're what it's all about, man. I mean – and I wish there was more people like it, not only at Texas Tech but everywhere, because the world would be a lot better with more Tony graphics
4: than for sure. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, are you in Shreve? Are you in Shreveport?
2: Well, uh, it's this interesting dynamic. I'm actually going to be in Fort Worth uh, because Tech basketball and oh, yeah. Grant McCaslin are playing Vanderbilt at six thirty in Fort Worth on Saturday night and the football team's kicking off at 8.15 in Shreveport. And so I'm like, Mm. call my Learfield guy. I'm like, okay, where are you sending me? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they're sending me to Hoops. So uh, I was going to let somebody down, and I feel like I need to be in both places, but that's not the way it works. All
4: right, Chris Level, com. Chris, thanks a lot.
2: Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You guys have a good rest of the week.
7: All right, there we go. Yeah, good stuff there with Chris. A lot of ground to cover. Um, A lot of, I think, important things, you know, from the the transfer portal. They've clearly been locked in on wide receiver and offensive line, and and that makes a lot of sense. Um, So you've seen them address that already early on. Couple of receivers uh, this week. I, mean, I know Caleb Douglas was official, but I can't remember if the uh, the other one was was official yet or not. But um, an offensive lineman today, you know, obviously, uh, so that's that's an area of need. They gotta gotta get better up front and gotta get better weapons around what will likely be Baron Morton next year, and then Will Hammond and you know everybody else that uh, eventually you uh, you have competing there. But uh, to get Michael Hudson officially locked in is uh, absolutely massive. But as he pointed out, you know, like now it's uh it's hard to know what's what's right and wrong in, as far as in and out in the transfer portal and then you get Micah Hudson, but you're already worried about, like, all right, how are we starting to collect money for next year yeah. for the Micah Hudson fund and whoever else and, and that's that, those are just some of the weird dynamics that he was able to touch on in this interview of on the one hand you're excited and you are excited, but there's also like the caveat of yeah, but, this, you know, and and so it's just a, a weird landscape to try to maneuver through. But I think you're happy about the additions that you've got. You're happy for sure you're over the moon about Micah Hudson making it official despite all of the attention from elsewhere and all of the offers from elsewhere. And uh, you've got some things shaping up for, for the 2024 season. Um, dang it, I just realized, I forgot to ask him. Dang it. I wanted to ask him about moving that Oregon game. Oh, yeah. um, and I... I wish I would have asked about that, but uh, I I don't know. We covered a lot of ground there still with him, but I know that there's not a lot of – and maybe it's just a vocal minority on Twitter, but there's some folks not happy about that move, probably because they were planning on going to Eugene, but – uh, maybe next time we have him on, we can talk about that. And certainly before next season, we'll we'll talk to Chris plenty of times before then. Also, need to get into Grant McCaslin a little bit more. Yeah. Um. They they've started what's like seven and two. I think is yeah. what they are at this point. Um. But um. You know, I know you you like Grant a lot, oh, know him pretty Grant. well, yeah, and so uh, we're all happy for him to have that opportunity. And uh, when I guess we're a little further down the road, we can get deeper into Grant McCaslin and his time in Lubbock so far. But, yeah.
4: Um. Yeah, Scott like Scott Drew's never once, never once had an assistant. They're like, oh, glad that guy's gone, like, <laughs> right? Never once. It's always like, oh, dang. Well, of course he deserves it. You know, every single one of them. And of course, they're all you know to work with Scott. Like honestly, to work with him, you have to be like him. You have to have like. You have to be a warm, like jovial person, right. otherwise, because if you're a jerk, it's going to drive you nuts. Just like if you're if you were Scott Drew, an assistant coach, working for a jerk, it would drive you nuts. Yeah, like you, you just you can't. Yeah. Um. But yeah. You no. Know, Grant. Grant's great. He's gonna do great there. At least already started out well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there in Lubbock. So, yeah.
7: Just excited to see what he ends up doing. And I uh, did want to pass along though real quick. I. I just the part that I regretted about not asking about that Oregon thing. But again, we could talk about that later. A couple portal notes though. Malik Murphy now officially in the portal. That's mm-hmm. not a surprise, obviously. Um. But also now officially in the portal. Uh. One Caleb Douglas from. Uh, Caden Green, excuse me, from uh, Caleb Douglas, the receiver that Tech just got. Caden Green, Oklahoma offensive lineman, starting offensive lineman, officially in the portal. I was wondering if a couple days would go by, maybe they got some talkings to and able to get him back in the fold. But, uh, no, he's officially in the portal, so let all the rampant rumors continue on. And according to Max Olson, our buddy who just joined us, Missouri and Oregon, apparently a couple schools to be on the lookout for when it comes to Caden Green. So, there you go, Missouri. Very he's much from, in the conversations these days. Is he
5: from
4: Missouri?
7: Uh, I believe so, yeah.
4: Yeah, so he's from St. Louis. So I, 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 I think I read that somewhere.
7: Oregon very involved in a lot of things. Their hands Oregon, in a lot of sh- pots. But Missouri now suddenly as well with the, their recent run of success this past year, they're definitely trying to take full advantage of that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com. The Cowboys have the bills on the road this week. This is 365 Sports.
6: In Texas, there's pea size hail and baseball size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into
4: shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
5: Waco Custom Marketplace 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, eight to ten pounds for four forty five a pound. Pit hams, twelve pounds for four forty five a pound. Bone in hams, eighteen to twenty two pounds for three forty per pound. Whole raw turkeys from twelve to sixteen pounds for two fifty a pound. Whole smoked turkeys—that's smoked turkeys at nine to twelve pounds for three dollars and seventy five cents a pound—and mini pit hams six to eight pounds for five dollars and 99 cents a pound and don't forget they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want pork poultry seafood and beef But i bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib brian bauer and the bauer family full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal waco custom marketplace and the holiday items 425 twenty five. Take care, drive in Waco.
3: There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just
0: three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket
3: golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marcos Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marcos.com to order and stop by Marcos Pizza in Belmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marcos, pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Mickey Spagnola of DallasCowboys.com. Prescott. Fire caught lamb. Touchdown. Brought to you by the First National Bank of Central Texas with five locations to serve you. Welcome back
7: to 365 Sports. Waiting Mickey Spagnola, it, it, DallasCowboys.com. Yeah, we'll just have to take him on the fly when he calls. So. Okay, so uh, he's calling so, back.
4: Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll tap dance here for a second. Uh, we have a couple of super chats that we did not get to uh, from Bracket Cat earlier in the show. Craig, uh, how do you keep it from being an invitational when it comes to the, four, to the playoff? Step one, ACC and Big 12 champs must consistently play and beat SEC SEC and Big 10 at-large teams have to change the perception first.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think um, everything can be solved by winning or most things can be solved by winning when it comes to perception in particular. I mean, how do you uh, defeat the argument when you're being drowned out by the fact that there's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of fans on the other side of any argument uh, about tradition and things like that or just the current... uh, you know, uh, how you stack up. I mean, there's there's certain teams that feel they're above others. How do you change that perception? You go and beat those teams. You go beat those teams, you beat them on a regular basis, you prove that you belong, and um, and then there's no argument against it. But, you know, until you win those types of games, then there's going to be that perception that's that's out there. That was part of kind of the frustration, I think, with such a small playoff is you don't give those teams the opportunity very often to play those those teams, right? How big of a deal was that for TCU to beat Michigan? Mm-hmm. And how many years would people say, well, TCU can't beat Michigan? Unless they're not even going to – like, why not – might as well not even play. It's kind of like, well, Florida Sake can't beat so-and-so. Uh, well, might as well not even play. But I, I saw somebody bring up a great point. Uh, Herbstreet had, like, his – his clearly his, his verbal diarrhea that he needed to let yeah. loose because he's been getting, you know, beat up from all sides on his – playoff opinions, and somebody uh, pointed out, well, people thought that uh, LSU was better than Florida State, and then they played, and then people thought that Oregon was better than Washington, and then they played, and then people thought Oregon was still better than Washington, and they played again, and Washington beat them again, and he had a couple of other examples, but it's like, yeah, you got to play the games, and so I think that you're right, that the only way to change perceptions of who's the biggest and the baddest is is to go and and win those types of games, and so that was you know a big deal for TCU, even though people want to ignore it because of what happened against georgia but th- that 's the types of games that you have to win and uh, that 's a long process like the SEC i know they 've always had the tradition and everything like that, but my perception of them because I grew up watching Nebraska win titles, yeah, I know Alabama won one early in the '90s but they were not Alabama for like majority of my life until yeah. the start of the 2000s, really. And LSU was not a massive deal in the the big picture of things. But then you get to that, that run that started in about, I guess it was 03 with LSU beating Oklahoma in the big upset. And then all that followed that with Florida and LSU and Alabama, obviously, and Auburn in there. And then Georgia comes along and, it's hard to defeat that argument because it's not just, hey, we're bigger and we have more money and we have bigger TV. It's like, no, we have the titles to prove it. We have the national championships. And so, yeah, you have to win those games and a Big 12 or an ACC or whoever, you know, conference C that, that wants to be a bit more respected. The only way to do that is mm-hmm. not to get more money or a better TV. It's to go beat those other teams. And then yeah. you've got the proof there in the pudding. As far as how you change the invitational part of it, I don't think that you can really. Um, I mean, if you look at the definition of the college football playoff on Wikipedia, it states it's an invitational. I mean, it's, it's what it is. And so, you know, barring doing something where you have just automatic bids, which is what they do not want to do, um, that's the only way you could do it. And even then, there'd be an argument of like, okay, well, which conferences get those? And then, how do you determine? The only way to do it where it wouldn't be an invitational, I suppose, would be like, here's our power for, they're automatic. And then whoever finishes second in each of those leagues, I guess they'd be automatic. And then the highest ranked group of five. So they've kind of done it as best they can yeah. to be automatic, but it's still more of an invitational that it. it is an automatic, yeah. but it's not as clean cut as NFC East, West, South winners move on. It's a bit more uh, yeah, subjective. There's, and yeah. there's no
4: competitive balance. Right. like There is yeah. in the NFL, right. you know, like there's not salary caps. There's not all these things that, that, uh, they keep it that way. Um, I'm going to talk about Herb Street rant for a second. Sure. Um, okay. I have agreed, and you said that FSU, like, if you're at four best, they're not one of the four best right now because they don't have their quarterback. But you're also making a very narrow definition of what best is, mm-hmm. you know, like, or how you can win games. And that's where, it, like, the argument to me falls in on itself because – If you're saying you can only win games a certain way, well, many teams, not just Florida State, their last two, have proven they can win games a lot of different ways. You know, the best teams do win games a lot of different ways. Alabama, who's in this thing, has won games a lot of different ways this year, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, I don't like that's where, you know, when you start doing it, just say, look, we're taking the SEC no matter what. Like we're taking the SEC no matter what, right? So everybody else in the other three, somebody's getting effed, and you know the the fickle finger of effed fell on you, Florida State. Like, like uh. that's that's where it really that's what their rant should have been to me. It's like, look, we're there's no they're always going to take the SEC. The SEC's better. Everybody thinks the SEC's better, whether it's true or not. The SEC's better, so they're getting in no matter what, mm-hmm. and that's. That's how it should have been, but you know, and he's he's frustrated because, and look, he's Kirk. Kirk like he's he's one in life. He's won in life. Yeah, he, he flies private jets
7: with his golden yeah. retriever everywhere. Yeah. He
4: doesn't need <laughs> he to like be getting into it with FSG Twitter, which I will tell you is an absolute cesspool Whoa, of yeah. madness.
7: It is, so. but. You know, like a lot of other fan bases are. But I think he's probably in a position, to be fair, where his mentions are such a dadgum mess that he just finally had to get something off of his chest, I suppose. And, you know, it's very subjective. Uh, It it all is subjective. And I do agree with, you know, they got the four quote-unquote best teams in. But, again, it's the whole... We've, everybody's done this all over the country ad nauseum now. Of best four, four most deserving, you know, whatever. The committee is supposed to do four best. And so they did that. It is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I think when he gets into the whole, well, they're, they're better, and he states it as fact, it's like, no, well, now you're backing away from how subjective this all is. That's yeah. your subjective opinion that Alabama yeah. is clearly better. But, to, you know, it's – it's, an, it's a never-ending argument. I mean, people have dug their, their trenches and are going to stay in those and, and fight for you know the side that they think is, is the right side. And I personally think that it set a bad precedent, but I also know that there's no culpability for it because there's nothing anybody can do about it yeah. other than, I guess, if you want to file a lawsuit and waste millions of dollars. I fighting,
4: mean, Georgia's filing a lawsuit to include the Orange Bowl in the playoff, yeah, which I, mean, I don't know what that's It's political
7: theater is yeah, was what mean, that is.
4: Well, yeah, I don't know. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a... Um, a, a, a guy in the uh, in the race for governor whose name escapes me right now. Um, he's he's a buffoon, but he was commenting on that, like, Florida is beating Texas and everything, and the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and if you vote for me for governor, the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl, and I was like, how the hell can you promise such a thing when you have nothing to do with it? But whatever it takes, I guess, to get that job, you know, and his more thing was we're going to eliminate property taxes, which to me would be much more attractive to most people than <laughs> promising the Cowboys can win the Super yeah, Bowl somehow right. because of government intervention, but now that. These states are like trying to do this because it is like people call them and go, "What can you do about this?" They're like, "I guess people don't understand it's not their job to do that. Right. It's not even close to their job." But you know, nobody. I guess the the general electorate doesn't know what the 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 our our senators and representatives are supposed to do. So we'll just ask them to solve every problem. But um, bracket cat uh, brought up, and we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, the NCAA uh, says transfers who compete during this. 14 day TRO uh, will lose eligibility if the decision is reversed.
7: Yeah. And, like, I, I want to say one more thing about Herb yeah. Um You know, he, he says in his rant, too, about how, you know, if you think I have an agenda, fine or whatever, and I just want the four best games and blah, blah, blah. But that all may be well and good. And I know as a broadcaster, I've heard him say before of how he wants, like, he's tired of going and watching the games that don't quote-unquote matter as much to him. Like, he, his time's at a premium now, even though he's getting paid handsomely for it. So he wants to see Ohio State-Michigan. He doesn't really want to fiddle with, like, Ohio State versus um, Northwestern, right? I mean, and he's, he's not calling those games. He's calling the big games, but he wants more of the big games, and that's what he wants to do and, and broadcast. I can understand that. But you work for ESPN, buddy, and if you're trying to tell me that there's not some kind of leaning by that company and others involved in, in the TV networks and orchestrating this playoff, if there's not some kind of bias, then you're just an absolute filthy liar and no one can possibly believe that. We all know there's a bias that's incorporated into this thing, and that's what makes it so maddening is that's what it came down to and who got the benefit of the doubt? The team that has some of that bias on their side, even though Florida State's on the same network, it's just not as desirable in that Format as compared to the SEC format, and so you know maybe maybe Florida State gets that SEC rub sooner rather than later, but uh, that is. Something where like yeah, pal, you still work for them. Like, what's well, the company line? You know, right? Like, and like so that's you, and that's why people have a hard time believing him, whether he's being a hundred percent truthful or not about it. It's like, dude, you still work for ESPN, and we know what you guys want to get out of yeah. this whole thing. Look, if you call like the
4: company line, is what you get when you call customer service, right? Yeah. Like, even if you know that, like, oh no, we have no idea how you know how the power all went out, like, now you know. Yeah,
7: (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just part of it where I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't quite agree with that. But, I mean, I I think he probably just needed to, you know, blow some steam off after getting riddled with Twitter mentions for the last week, of, of which I'm sure there's been tens of thousands and... Um, You know, I do think he he cares about college football, but I just don't agree with him eye-to-eye completely on on that stance. But, okay, the transfer thing, very peculiar because yesterday said if this were to get changed in the next 14 days after you'd entered, then no problem, they're not going to, you know, rail against that and and then flip their decision and suddenly you would become ineligible. And I guess there would be a whole world of problems there if you just played in a couple of games and now suddenly you're ineligible again. But now what you're saying is that, in fact, the NCAA – is saying the opposite today of what they said yesterday, yeah. basically, right? So, well, I mean, like, so, what, explain it again.
4: So, okay, the temporary restraining order allows everybody who is uh, was waiting on a waiver, uh, on a transfer, to play right away. And they said yesterday that, um, you know, they still, um, if the you know they're they're that they weren't going to challenge any of it. Everybody can play. Well, today they said if the temporary restraining order is reversed, that players could still lose a year of eligibility if they play during this time. Which to me sounds like an incredibly stupid position to take. Moronic on, on something that you probably know you're going to lose.
7: Yeah, I mean this is between now and December 27th. That's the two week time frame. So yesterday you thought that if you play. You would not burn a year, and today they are saying the complete opposite. And there's also, according to uh, Amanda Kristovich and uh, Ross Dellinger, there's still some confusion about whether that's completely black and white as it is, you know, appears to be on the surface of you know. So, so now if you're in these schools, you just like you have no idea. Like, do you just out of cautionary reasons because you don't know what this is going to look like, not play guys, or what happens for the number of schools and players who just played like last night? When this all yeah. came down, it started to play right away. I Yeah, I mean, this is very uh, on-brand, though, for the NCAA to not even, you know, have it be clear of of what's allowed, I guess, in the next two weeks as far as the burning a year of eligibility goes and, and what would happen. Um, but then again, it's banking on if a ruling is reversed, and I don't know how often that happens in favor of the NCAA, so maybe that's something you just chalk up as, like, well, that'll never happen anyways, but... Um. yeah, uh, there is a now suddenly a bit of a question about what happens to your year of eligibility if you were somebody who wasn't allowed to play that suddenly plays in these next two weeks. Do you risk yeah. it? Um, if you already did, what happens now is the rabbit out of the hat? Uh, I don't know, but that just smells like more lawsuits, Paul, Yeah, is what that could turn into, which is... If that's your goal is to get as many as possible, the NCAA has got to be the league leader at this point of of any brand out there, and certainly this would be a way to add some more cases onto their their desks there. But yeah, they they need to get some clarity on that in a hurry. That's just that's a mess. And uh, how could you not have the, had that ready to go? The goal of the NCAA
4: should be no more lawsuits, <laughs> like <laughs> no more lawsuits,
7: like but. As, as uh, Amanda Kristovich, and I hope I'm saying that right, uh, but as she points out, is this not a way of just basically getting what you want and doing what you want? Because now you're you're saying, well, you better not play because if this gets yeah. reversed, then we're – and so you basically still get what you want because the people who aren't supposed to be playing are going to be too scared to play. Yeah. That doesn't answer what happens if you've already played now in the last 24 hours. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That's That's very confusing. And now they're hanging this above people's heads again of – you you might lose a year. We don't know for sure. You don't know for sure, but do you want to risk it? Yeah. It just they, seems like kind of they, a weird thing. They don't know for sure. They don't know for but, sure. But, but yeah. they know.
4: But they know. <laughs> they know.
7: <Yeah. laughs> like,
4: they know. Like, they're – what argument are they coming up with to win
7: i mean yeah no i don't know i mean yeah it's 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 you know the if it gets reversed is is carrying a lot of of water there in that argument i mean what how likely is that i don't know but yeah it's just it's more kind of stumbling all over yourself or how calculated is it maybe that uh, this is is something they can still hang over people's heads i don't know but a lot of confusion there over this this new transfer decision that's for sure
4: Uh, absolutely all right well uh it is now time for the top five it's time for Paul Catalina's Top Five, brought to
1: you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised wagyu from our pasture
4: to your plate. TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five fits for Malik Murphy. There's one I did not include in here that Jack brought up that I um, that I should have added. And that's USC. California guy, but I, I guess maybe maybe I'm putting too much into the guys they might already have on their roster. And but I don't know, I, I don't I, know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Number five, Miami. Why Miami? Well, they're in it on everybody else. I mean, they they've been uh, tied to Will Howard, to Cam Ward, to um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm I'm leaving somebody out, but like they've been. You know they've had, I believe, Elijah Moore. All three of those guys have had some level of interest, or maybe even visited Miami. Thinking of Dante Moore. Uh, da- yeah, sorry, Dante Moore. Um, Dante Moore. All of that. Like they have, they've been down the road on on a lot of guys. I uh, Would not be surprised to see them uh, if none of the other ones work out. Uh, DJU and Kyle McCord, uh, maybe even in there as well. But to me, Malik Murphy, you have got him for a couple years. With his skill set, that could be very interesting in Shannon Dawson's offense. We'll see, but they're in on everybody, so why not Malik Murphy too?
7: Uh, yeah, I mean that's, I guess, a good enough reason. It's like you like everybody, so why not this guy too? Um, I mean, they're going to need a quarterback, so it's, I guess, if they strike out on three other targets, then you know there's another name out there to to go and get potentially. But if you look at um, I guess on three in particular uh, they have a little bit of an easier interface to work through, uh, you know, sorting things out and, and their rankings, um, you know, I like to look all over, but there's in particular, when it comes to Miami, their top three quarterbacks are all sitting there with a Miami logo next to them as their potential landing spot. And, uh, and Cam Moore, Dante Moore, and and Will Howard. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you would think they'd land one of those three. The percentages are pretty good. they get one of those guys. But, uh, yeah, I suppose if they were to strike out on all three or perhaps they suddenly have more interest in a Malik Murphy than they do a, a Dante Moore maybe, then, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's reasons why they make sense. They clearly need a quarterback. They're clearly in the hunt on a lot of guys, and uh, they want somebody – very, very obviously. So, yeah, why not uh, Miami? Number four, Michigan. We don't know about J.J.
4: McCarthy yet, but uh, my thought is he's going to be in the NFL draft and he'll probably be the maybe fourth or fifth quarterback taken, uh, which will probably all happen in the first round this year. It's going to be mostly quarterbacks and wide receivers um, and a couple of offensive and defensive linemen. But uh, but Michigan roster is really good. You you know the situation there. You can win there. Uh, They're not going. They you know they can run an offense that doesn't expect too much out of the quarterback or can get a lot out of the quarterback. Uh, Sharon Moore has has made uh, huge strides there as the offensive coordinator uh, and will probably be the head coach there very soon. But I think Michigan, especially if you want to win and win now, um, is a really good choice.
7: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how he fits uh, in what they do exactly, uh, and I, I don't know what their depth chart looks like because I'm just you know looking at this really yeah. for the first time. But, uh, I mean, in terms of a, a team who's close and knocking on the door and is probably going to lose their quarterback, like you said, uh, to the NFL draft, uh, yeah, I mean, Malik Murphy would be a, a great option for anybody. Uh, again, don't know how he sizes up or, or vice versa you know, in Harbaugh's eyes, but, um, he's clearly a guy with a, a lot of you know of respect when it comes to quarterbacks and his own time there, um, in the saddle. So, uh, sure. You know, if they lose McCarthy, then, then who are they going to be looking at and turn into next year? Um, and the transfer portal is a, a place that everybody's looking, uh, to, to get better right away. So that would, that would make sense. Number three, Auburn, uh, Look, Hugh
4: Freeze is going to get his quarterback eventually, Um, and he's been a guy who's developed quarterbacks really well uh, in the past. Now, uh, he hasn't yet, and they've been quiet on this front, which really surprises me given the fact that quarterback has been um, so bad there for the last couple years, and Hugh Freeze uh, in his offense is going to try and thrive uh, through that position. Uh, But Auburn, to me, uh, would not be shocking to to see them get involved for Malik Murphy, and maybe it's not the third best place, but you know Hugh Freeze's uh, off the field nonsense in his past notwithstanding, this is a guy who coaches up quarterbacks and pretty well, and I think would do well, and Malik Murphy would do well in the Hugh Freeze system.
7: Yeah, I saw um, saw that uh, there was a little talk about uh, you know. Uh, about who could possibly fit there. And it, it does appear that there's there's a need. I mean, there's a need there for, for Hugh Freeze and company. He's obviously a guy, too, that has a lot of experience uh, with the quarterback position. Um, I've kind of – they've kind of been in my my blind spot, uh, Auburn, uh, because I just – they weren't really I – the mean, Alabama game notwithstanding, they were just kind of there, you know what I mean, in this first year with Hugh Freeze. But, um, yeah, they, they definitely need to, to attack the portal and they need to get better in a hurry and they need – uh, quarterback, so um, not knowing their depth chart at the back of my hand, um, yeah, that's possibly a, a spot for Malik Murphy. Yeah, there, there's nobody on their depth chart that you okay.
4: take over. Well then, yeah. I mean, like over Malik Murphy, I, you know, right? Honestly, so uh, that's a place he's going to go in, and there's not even a question over to what what his status okay. is. Yeah,
7: I mean, if that, you know, if you if you only got young guys and none of them are as proven, and yeah. then sure, yeah, he's an option for for any school like that. Number two, Washington,
4: uh, I like. Kind of the same thing as Michigan, but to me, as, as far as offensive you know, uh, prolificness, would go uh this one would be way better uh because their what DeBoer Abor's doing there is really unbelievable and they don't have a set quarterback for next year although I know that there's some talk about them and Will Rogers but yeah, yeah I think Malik Murphy and Kalen Abor I really like what you like the skill set Malik Murphy has I know it's not like he wasn't perfect in his two starts but the dude reminds me of Dante Culpepper I keep saying that he's got a big arm he's a big dude um you know he's got he's got traits you just you know you just don't um come by all that often and i think with with washington's offense it could be really really good
7: i mean they did uh, a great job this past season uh on offense with a lot of great receivers helping michael Penix out he yeah, he too all three was going be gone and they're all gone but. and michael Penix, you know moving on and so they defer- de- desperately need to fill some holes there on uh offense and at the quarterback spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, Kalen DeBoer is going to, I think, have a lot of guys eager to to play in his system and to play quarterback for him. Um, but, um, you know, Dante Culpepper, I mean, he's he's a big dude, that's for sure. I mean, he can sling it around. So, yeah, okay, the Huskies, definitely. Yeah. Man, I'm interested to see on the other end of what their talent exodus does look like off of yeah. this playoff team because it's going to be pretty significant.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And number one, on the outside of the playoff looking in, with a quarterback guru running your team and a great offensive coordinator in Brian Hartline and a never-ending string of skill players, Ohio State. I, I Like, to me, if I'm Ohio State, not that Cam Ward wouldn't be my number one, but after Cam Ward, if you're you're getting into like, if I want to maybe build something for a little while here, Malik Murphy makes a lot of sense right now. It's Devin Brown. And then you're, you're, you've got another freshman on the roster and you got Aaron Noland coming in. Who's a, who's a big four or five-star prospect again, depending on the service, but you've got those guys coming in, but Malik Murphy, uh, you know, with his skill set in that offense, I think it'd be very, very special.
7: Yeah, he could uh he could do some damage there with Ryan Day and the success that they've had in the quarterback spot's got to be super enticing for any player. I mean, to look at the the guys they put in the league and even some of the backups. You know, Joe Burrow, Quinn Ewers. I mean, even those guys, you can't claim them. I know some Buckeyes fans have tried, but yeah. uh, you can't claim them. But yeah, they've had a ridiculous run of, of quarterback talent, and this is the spot that when Malik Murphy wasn't anywhere near the transfer portal just yet. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, people were talking about the odds that he would probably be going in at some point, and this seemed like a, an earmarked spot for uh, somebody like Malik Murphy in particular to, to end up. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the Buckeyes' interest level is. I don't know what they've got up their sleeve. Obviously, if you're willing to walk away from your starter this past season who wasn't some bum, I mean, and Kyle McCord, a guy who played pretty well for you, but obviously you can get better there. Like, I think that's the thing is that it's pretty good. You could be elite, though. You've been elite there. Uh, you were elite very recently with C.J. Stroud in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be elite again. And uh, I don't know, is Malik Murphy elite compared know. to Kyle yeah. McCord? I mean, I don't think so based on everything that we've seen so far. But maybe with Ryan Day's tutelage and the weapons they've got around and, and whatnot, maybe he he would be that in, in short order. Obviously a very talented player, and this would be a super intriguing spot because of of their success at that position. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see – um, many things. Obviously, I say that, but uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Not just Malik Murphy does, but what does Ohio State do uh, yeah. after moving on from Kyle McCord? What is their game plan here?
4: Yeah, they haven't like they haven't been. Mentioned in any of this yet, and so either maybe maybe they just really love Devin Brown all of a sudden. Hey,
7: yeah, maybe maybe. Where's I'd,
4: number thirty three? So big up to him for that. But
7: yeah, I mean that's that's a spot that again was being mentioned uh, before Malik Murphy entered the portal for him, and so you would think that that uh, that would make some sense now that he's officially in there because they do still appear to need a quarterback. But uh, I mean all these places that you just mentioned do. So yeah, the quarterback carousel will continue to be a wild ride and who knows who still continues on to, to end up entering it at some point or another down the road um, when we get into spring ball and all that starts to shake out as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks to everybody who's been a part of the show. Jack McKenzie,
4: another great day uh, of producing. Uh, Max Olson, Taylor McCarg, and, of course, Chris Level as well. 365 Sports Tonight, tonight at 1030 on the CW locally here in Waco. Thanks for watching. Whenever you do, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody.